To the great cricketer podcast on today's show, someone has listened to the wishes of two idiots from the internet and given us packaged highlights of the IPL so we can make sweeping statements about the best 2020 competition in the world. Ashwin turns down man cats now. Coley is shit. Cummins is shit. Smith good. Stoinis good. And Watson is amazing. The Australian women will never lose again. The Sheffield Shield starts this week. Dan Christian wins more stuff, and we start about lying about your prowess. Neil Wagner is on the show to discuss going to school with Faf Duplessis, taking double hat tricks in New Zealand, and unlocking the secret of dismissing Steve Smith. Jason Crazier is on the show to discuss taking every great Indian batsman's wicket, questionable cliques in the Aussie team, and yes, we ask about some great cricket folklore involving Steve Waugh. Hashtag AskTDC involves hat-tricks, personal slingers, and Yom Kippur. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. You can get your custom bucket hats. Use the code CHAMP at checkout. That's budgiesmuggler.com. And Manscaped, we're offering 20% off your purchase using the code TGC at checkout. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash great cricketer for more exclusive content every single week you can also find this episode right now on youtube spotify itunes or wherever you listen to this show right now my name is ian higgins and i'm joined by sam perry pezzy lad not much going on pal you, but you make it seem like there is Gotta which is it. the point that's the people will have heard that and gone okay this isn't snackable this is a feast this is this especially is the crazy stuff <laughs> <laughs> hey mate uh did you get any did you get any messages about how to watch the IPL? We did. We did. We, we got a, a, around five to six thousand. Mate, you made one mistake. You made yeah. one mistake. Although actually, I thought the tone was pretty friendly. That's true. And I, we said this last week, but uh, that's even more passive aggressive in a way. Oh, guys, you can just check it out here. Mm. That'd be nice to me. Shut mate. the fuck up. If you're going to tell me that I was wrong, at least sledge me. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, Pez, let's start the show okay. um, by discussing an article that popped up in Wisden, actually. Mm-hmm. Former friends of the great <laughs> No, they're still friends. <laughs> still they're friends. Still, they're still friends. Uh, now, Pakistani opening bowler in the 60s, Farooq Hamid, claimed that he used to bowl at speeds of 110 to 115 miles per hour nice. in his heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, many people won't know who uh, Farooq Hamid is. He just played the one test. Uh, he got Ian Chappell out in a drawn game. Yeah. Uh, one test, one wicket. But he bowled, fuck you, bowled quick. Yeah. Oh, wheels, but 100 to 115 miles per hour. Yeah. Have you done the translation for our uh, metric listeners? I have. And I just want to start by saying this. Please. He goes, if I played one test 55 years ago, <laughs> uh, regardless of where I was from, but it's better, it's better than, you know, that, that you were in a place where cricket wasn't on TV as much. Sure. Well, if I knowledge. played one test 55 years ago and knocked over Australia's best player, I too would claim 55 years later that I bowled 185 <laughs> k's an hour. I would. Uh, you can't begrudge yeah. Farouk Hamid uh, this stat. Uh, I think that, like, we talk about really, really quick bowlers, super quick bowlers. You we know, often that th- Thunderbolt quicks. Thunderbolt quicks. And I think it's a, like it's a condition of the true Thunderbolt quick that you're a shadowy character. Do you know what I mean? I don't want no, to be too well mean? known. Okay. It's it, a, a really quick bowler, like yeah. someone you can say at the side of your mouth at a yeah. clubhouse. You know, mate, you should have seen him bowl. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're a mythical unseen creature. Right. Only yes, a few have yes, seen yes, them, yes, like yes, yes. Bigfoot, like a Yeti or a Goblin Shark. Yes. You know what I mean? Goblin <laughs> Shark, typically seen off the coast of Japan. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they often shown up before. as an accidental uh, bycatch of fishermen's nets uh, okay. in the Gulf of Mexico as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, 
Let me put it this way, right? I Please. don't want my Thunderbolt Quicks to be really well-known. I don't want brands. Like I so said, I want to give you a hypothetical. This is for the listeners out there as well. You're given two Robolinda clips, right? Oh. Last last clip you're able to see of Robolinda in your life, right? Okay. I've probably seen both of them. One is Brett Lee, Shale Bakhtar, Sean Tate, Tomo, Patrick Patterson, whatever you want, mm. you know, creme de la creme of Thunderbolt Quicks. Mm. That would right? be the title. Yeah, Speed Demons or something like that. Or you're given another clip, all caps, the fastest bowlers you've never heard of, batsmen shitting their pants. <laughs> I know what I'm clicking. <laughs> and if Farouk Hamid's in that, I'm not watching Brett Lee or Shaw back there anymore. I've seen, seen, seen it. I want to see Duncan Spencer, you know, yeah, Mark yeah, Cameron, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bert Cockley. I want to yeah. see the could have been the, the, the shadowy goblin sharks of, exactly. of, of fast bowlers. Fuck yeah. So I'm fucking happy with Farouk Hamid. I think all quicks who took one between one to five wickets in mm. that era should claim the same thing. You know, some said he was too quick. That's why he didn't get more exactly. wickets. He was too quick. Exactly. Boys couldn't hit it. How the umpire's able to make a decision. It's literally going 185 clicks. They're trying to watch the back foot no ball back in yeah. those days. Yeah. By the time we look back, ball's already gone. Ball's in the keeper's gloves. Yeah. Ball's on the way back to mid-off. Yeah. <laughs> what, you know how um, – so in Australia – that's me. Where we are, Pez. Yeah. Um, the, like the thing that like Ponting says, that, like all the guys play for Western Australia, like Duncan Spencer was this Spence. guy who played a few games. Spence. Yeah. 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 Suspense, they called yeah. him. Um, he, he was like the quickest bowl that anyone's ever seen before. Like he was scary quick. Now, no one – I've never seen Duncan Spencer bowl, nor do I care to see any highlights. So if it, oh, it's it was a really good, good clip of him bowling to Viv Richards in England. Oh, really? Yeah, really Oh, okay, right. I said play counter cricket as well. Yeah. So I know nothing about him, which yeah, is even better, better because it's the mystique yeah. about – so you know that question of like – you know, the question that we always ask our guests, you know, who's the best bowler you've ever faced? Yeah. <laughs> Off air. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, just that, that like cliche question of like who's the best, you who's, know, yeah. all that kind of shit, you know. Like no one really – like when you ask Warren who was the best – Batsman you ever bowled to, for instance, you know, of course he's going to say fucking Brian Lara tend to like, but we don't want that. We want the we want the name that I've never heard before. Yeah. It's the mystique. It's the yeah. fucking Loch Ness monster about yeah. like, oh, what's this new thing that's going into my brain now that I have to calculate? Even like the underground indie band, you know, yeah. I saw them before they were big. Oh yeah, why well, didn't you see them at the Annandale? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because there's yeah. there's something there's some the big element about band. storytelling about you know like uh, success and failure and stuff. We're like so a, a thing that people get really annoyed about is like unfulfilled potential, right? Mm-hmm. But they also like the other side of like this guy could have been good if it mm-hmm. wasn't for X. Yeah, it's like uh, musicians who died at 27. Yeah, Jeff what Buckley. could Jeff Buckley have been? Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, Amy Winehouse. Oh, gee, they were amazing. Gone. Yeah, and so the legend lives on. Mm. They they stay kind of. Uh, Suspended at that greatness mm. and that sense of what could have been, mm. and I think that's Duncan that. suspended. Yeah, yeah, mate, you, you got it. So <laughs> <laughs> now, I like what Farouk has said in that it's quite a bracket that he's left. He's left, you know. Yeah, I mean, one hundred to one fifteen. I mean, that's one ten to one fifteen. I was at one ten. Yeah. Oh, I read that yeah. it's one hundred. It's around one seventy eight kilometers an hour. Didn't he say to one eighty? No, I'm sure he said. I'm sure the article said one hundred to one hundred and fifteen. Or am I, am I dyslexia got in there? Oh, no, we're not going to look it up, are we? Because we're on. We're on now. Mm. The boys are on. But, like, I, I like the idea, you know, Joffre Archer gets pinned all the time for buying, well, he's only buying 85 miles an hour, but he can mm. wind it up to 96 or whatever. You know, like if Farouk is starting his spell at 115, then he dials it back to 106 or something. He's like, mm. he's not on today, Farouk. Yeah, good point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some of those wickets, though, you know, they are, they are tough to bend the back on. <laughs> Have you ever seen, I think I've spoken about this in the past. Have you ever seen, you know, Mark Taylor when you got that 334 not out? I do, vividly. The, there's highlights, which I can't, I haven't been able to find subsequently, but like Shah Bakhtar first spell, lightning quick. Mate, at the end of the day, Taylor's on about 270 or whatever, and Shah Bakhtar's almost bowling off spin. 
He's, just, he's absolutely cooked. I love that. There's nothing in the wickets. He's fucking cutting his fingers across it. Anyway, fair play to Mark Taylor. Well batted. Um, Pez, what's on Patreon this week? Patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. Uh, look, another episode of Hashtag AskTGC. Uh, you know, you were called the man bear hig at one point. I was called hardcore pesbian porn. <laughs> There's was, was a question about a bloke going into yeah. a K-hole after a day's Oh, we're play. talking about ketamine, yeah. Yeah, just drink spiked with ketamine. Uh, just in his wife's at the pub. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't delve into that because it's an ongoing police investigation. Exactly. We yeah. you can only do what was sort of available to us publicly, but the rest, mm-hmm. yeah, um, we've been in contact. Uh you know, Alpha Wars as usual, but this time involving the Australian Defence, so some Navy stuff. Oh, some Navy stuff, that's right. Yeah. Um, we turned up in two people's dreams, playing badly, obviously. We're not allowed to turn up and do well. There's another no. dream a guy had just separately where you, where you punched me, uh, so that was good. Uh, that wasn't on the show. That was just a message we got where someone just let us know. Uh, a bit of sledging <laughs> advice as well. Yep. Someone, someone's at short cover and said, you know. Oh, that's has, right. I, I've, got, I've got pussy on my dick or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 he didn't know what to do. So we yeah. sort of stepped him through what he needed to do. Yeah, there. I have some options there. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, there's some, going to be some other stuff later this week as well, possibly an interview that we're putting up right. as well. So Where can I find it, Pess? Yeah, uh, patreon.com forward slash the great cricketer. Great cricketer. Great cricketer. Don't do the. Don't do the. Hey, Pez, the IPL is a thing that's happening and we get to watch it now because it's nice package highlights the power. What do you want to start with this? The IPL. Well, I tell you, do you want to just talk as though we know what's going on now because of events of last week, or I do you want to step through? Mate, I don't know shit, and yeah. I pertain to no shit. <laughs> you, put, you put out a massive call last week and still haven't watched it. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> no, it's that's a millennial generation. It's <laughs> just Gen Y stuff. Put it on the platform that I watch it consistently. Otherwise, exactly. Yeah, be good or fuck off. Um, I'll tell you what I do want to start with. I was, I was scrolling the internet this morning, Pez, as is my want. And I saw Steve Smith playing some guitar in his IPL room. In his IPL room, not even a hotel room, it's an IPL room. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know what the level, like how many runs you need to score, but he has scored one more run than is required mm-hmm. for him to be able to, you know, just do that and be, you can't sledge it. Because he's not like, out, like, so Jason Crazier's on the show and he's outstanding. He's legitimately. Jason Crazier is the top of the power rankings of all Australian test cricketers who have pretensions to playing guitar. Yeah, legitimately he's, he's really good, good guitarist. Yeah. Yeah, very talented person, Jason yeah. Crozier. And there'll be more about that on the show. Steve Smith is a is a um, he, he's a decent guitar player. He knows the chords. Mm. You know, I'm not putting him forward for my cricketing um, band for, uh, for vocals, mm-hmm. but he's got enough runs on the board. Who are you putting forward? Mm, that's a good question. Cheekway. Yeah, Cheekway. We yeah, actually did a che- bit. Of, we actually sang with Cheekway backstage before our live show, and he he he's not just a guy who can hold a note. Mm. He's um. He's he he's uh, Fijian Chinese. His mum uh, grew up singing with him and his brothers. Right, and he can legitimately hit harmonies and all sorts of gear. Mm. Singing wise, no tests there. though. Singing wise, right? <laughs> yeah. just to be clear. Yeah, can hold a note and hold his beers as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know who's my singing. Who's a singing? It'd be one of the I can, someone one of the Kiwis. What oh, if yeah. what if like Ross Taylor had like a voice of an angel? Wouldn't that be good? Mm. Oh, that would be really good. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I often thought that. So that's the IPL. <laughs> <laughs> the IPL is Smith. He's okay. That's guitar. just a, that's a thing that I've seen. That's a thing that I've seen. Well, let's. Uh, what goes, do you want to start? Let's start, okay, to start with. Let's like, start with the events of last week where uh, we issued a call. Um, now, no, no one, no one can ever say he goes that we aren't a pod for the people. You know, some people try and say it. Do they? We're not a pod for the people. <laughs> I've not seen that. But, but nobody can say that now. Okay. Yeah, last week, many were recall, and I know. Uh, I know this because, as I said before, there were five to 6,000 messages subsequently. But we issued a call to the digital gods and mm. to the streaming gods or God. Depends, you know. Used to be many gods. Now there's one God. That's What's right. What's next, according mm. to Richard Dawkins? 
We weren't asking for much, just a humble plea for perfectly packaged <laughs> on-demand IPL highlights, yeah. okay, yeah. for our generation. Now, yeah. first, it was pointed out to us. We collectively clear that, in fact, the IPL app, the official IPL app, does exactly this, has always done. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I can attest to that. It does and exactly watched, the It does thing exactly what we asked yeah. for. Yeah. Um, people pointed that out. Uh, I've watched it since. Thank you. Lots of sixes and wickets. Good. Um, but second, <laughs> we suggested specifically that our great, that our great friends at KO – uh, how great are they? Well, that's up to them. There's a conversation going on. Find out in a couple of we'll weeks. Find out a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, they seem to start delivering IPL minis very soon after we issued the call for IPL like minis. Minutes. Very soon yeah. afterwards. Okay. Uh, and the people are asking us, is this Alpha? Have we, have we Alphaed KO? Because they always have to ask who's, who's Alphaed whom. Mm-hmm. The answer is no. We're just humble servants of this game, you know, mm-hmm. just voicing the requirements of mainly men. Uh, in an 18 to 40-ish demographic, part millennial, part millennial, part digital natives, fantastic and measurable influence and engagement with our particular demographic, who also happen to be KO subscribers. So, again, I'll say, are we hand in glove with KO? No, but it's transfer deadline day. As you know, he goes, only God knows where our next club is. Uh, yeah, also, if they want to do ads in the summer, let's talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and so, real long, long story short, yeah. long story short, we should call for minis. Now there's minis. Yeah. All right. Have you watched any minis since? I haven't got around to it. Either. Just a bit long. <laughs> Can just trim them down a bit? <laughs> I'm going to be using the IPL app a little bit more. So I've learned a few things about the IPL. Okay. He goes, okay. What have you learned? Mumbai, top of the table. Right. What does that mean? Don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's actually not true. Delhi Capitals are the sort of the team, and that's the one Ponting, Ponting coaches, team. right? And that's the one with Stoinis, Richard Pan, uh, Rabada. Now, one thing I've seen about Ponting, people are like, they love getting the cameras into the dressing room with Ponting when he's yeah, coaching. Cool. Why wouldn't you? That's good. That's yeah. good. But what I wouldn't give to yeah. be in that dressing room? A fly on that wall, and I feel like a fly on the wall when I'm watching him. Mm. But he, um, he's a man of the people, isn't he, Ponting? Yeah. People fucking love him. I love him. Actually, we are – I'm just pre- prefacing Craig's conversation mm. all the time here, but, like, everyone who's ever played with Ponting love him. Yep. I know, like, England and stuff. All levels too. Yeah. I feel like Ponting is liked now that he stopped playing because he probably just got heaps of runs for Ponting as a captain, yeah. so you have to hate him. I think he's not well liked. I think there's some Indian stuff as well. Maybe I don't like him there some – Circles, but like, <laughs> apart from that, stuff. That's true. <laughs> yeah, because the SGT, yeah, 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 and yeah, fucking yeah, Clark yeah. Nick didn't in walk yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Um, well, Craig just says he was really grumpy when he captained, but like when he when he uh, wasn't captaining, he was great. But he when Ponting was on the, yeah, 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 that's <laughs> right. Yeah, when Ponting was on the show, he was just like that. No, but I wanted to take it seriously, which mm. you, and you know, like if you're going to be the captain of the Australian mm. cricket team, mm. you probably want them to take that seriously, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I want, I, want, I want him to be a gruff run scorer, you know, mm. a tough prop forward in rugby league parlance. Mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's what I need. Again, mm. it's just safety requirements. I don't want to be friendly. Yeah. I don't want pre-match handshakes. Yeah. I want hairy forearms, tanned forearms, more forearms more tanned than the face Yeah, just through exposure and then the rest of the body now, and, with, and runs. With Ponting wearing Asking his, much. like, three-quarter sleeve shirt, now could mm. you pull that off? In the, I mean, that, that could be another thing where you need certain – you need more than 10,000 test runs to pull that off. Yeah, there's not, there's all not many bets guys. are off. All bets are off with ten thousand test runs. Yeah. Guitar, guitar playing, three quarter yeah. lengths, sleeve shirt, whatever. Do, you Do what you want. Okay, the safety of afforded a nation. Yeah, permits it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what's happening with Delhi. Um, <laughs> Kings eleven, Punjab, no good. Uh, Cummins got Smith. There was a bit yeah, made yeah, about yeah, yeah. that. Um, so Cummins was sold for three point one million Australian dollars, and yeah. he's he got like. Fucking sent home by yeah, um, Joffre. Joffre him like four sixes in a yeah. row earlier in the tournament. And then Cummins hit Boomer for a whole bunch of sixes yeah. as well. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. He's got a little nice little high fade as well. That's also what's going on the IPL. Mm-hmm. He got Smith was interesting because he didn't bump him, and that's how you get Smith. Anyway, yeah. So that was weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then the other one is big partnership between Faf and Shane Watson. Right. So Now, I find that interesting because I'm just – part of me thinks – 
Well, we've said it before. I think Watson might come on the show because he thinks that That's, it's he's a thing now. Fucking, it's a thing. he's going to get flogged on the show, right? Because yeah. we're going to do some review yeah. jokes and that yeah. kind of fucking and he's wrong. absolute rubbish. Yeah, um, he's but wrong about. I, that. I've said this like for ages, and I'm kind of bored listeners now. But he's like one of the most underrated cricketers Australia's ever had. Mate, he could still I do the business, he's, mate. He's fucking 45 years old. Yeah. And he's fucking opened the bat in the IPL and breaking. Uh, so that that partnership with Faf 181, 183. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had 83 of like 50 balls. Like that's the highest partnership in the history of the IPL. Some pretty good players have played in the pretty IPL. Um, how old is Watson? He must be 30, 39. 39. He's 39. Mm. Um, and I reckon he'd be up there. Now, I, it's a conversation with Shane Watson in terms of like Australia's greatest ever opening batsman. Hayden would be up there. Gilchrist up there. Mark Waugh. Watson's in that conversation as well. For short form. For short form. Sorry, yeah. sorry, short yeah. form. Yeah, ODI yeah. cricket. Yeah. And well, you, I mean, did you say Warner? Not in ODIs. Well? I don't think Warner in ODIs. I don't think his record matches. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. Anyway, the point is like, but, but like for me, like Watson's in the top four or five. Yeah. Ever. Absolutely. For Australia. Yeah. And Come. most people are like, <laughs> front pad though. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, did have some problems with the front pad, but who must have It was a big front pad. It was a big front pad. Yeah. He's thick, isn't he? He's a thick boy. <laughs> Shane Watson. <laughs> He's a thick boy. Talk, talk about top four big boys. Yeah, hell, yeah, more about that. He's <laughs> in the conversation. He's on the throne. He's he? Bodium. He's mini. Thick boys. Minim- <laughs> there you go. Name of the show. Alternative name of the show. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> thick boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Watson's there too. Oh, yeah. I mean, please, please, Shane. Come on. Um, what else here, guys? So, so Delhi Capitals, the other thing, you know, as broken on the grade cricketer, do you take it with a grain of salt? Well, you know, we'll leave that to them. It's not for us to say, but yeah. as broken on the show, Ricky Ponting said, look, I'll be talking to Ravi Ashwin about Mancads. Yeah. Uh, I'll Adam. offer him into not doing it. Apparently and yes. and Ashwin said, said later when they talked on the podcast, look, I've got my views about this. What happens overnight? Finch leaves his crease long way out, mm. long way out of his crease. Mm. What does Ashwin do? Warns him. Mm. Ponting one, Ashwin zero, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Ashwin then goes on to Twitter to say, I'll warn once and once only. So yeah. what happens next? But we'll see. Well, well it depends was, what Ricky said. And, and then cameras pan to Ponting, three-quarter sleeves, forearms out. And what's Ponting <laughs> doing? <laughs> Laughing. Is part, is part of the side of his mouth open? Yeah. Yes. Ponting's <laughs> alpha the shit out of Ashwin. In India. In India. Yeah. Fuck, that's alpha. That takes balls. Alphaing Ashwin in India. That's Fuck. big. Has anyone ever done that before? No. And he gives throwdowns to the amount third that, the, Yeah, the amount that um, the amount that Finch was out of his crease end. I mean, it was almost a fucking run out. It was. <laughs> it was and uh, look, I need when to watch this to, again. When he did it to Butler last year, sorry, to interject, when no. he did it Butler last year, like that was like questionable because like had he bowled it, I think Butler might have even been in his crease. Like it was fucking real cheeky. There's, I think there's a short film in this, but Finch's um, like, got well, Finch, Finch, it could be, you could do it. You could do a trot fest on this, but uh, a trot fest. Uh-huh. Uh, Chop fest. That's right. <laughs> just that's a word that sounds like trop fest. But um, sometimes Pez and I just play word association. We don't get a lot of work done. No, both of us do it. So um, Finch, Finch's face when Ashwin does it. Right. He's, he's literally like hand in the in the jar. He's he's so out. Yeah. It's not even one of those ones where you can claim. Well, hang on, you've gone through your action. I've I've left as you would have been behind your crease. No, he's he's well out of his crease. So but Finch is still Finch great is, cricket Finch about is it. Playing the game. Finch looked at him like like he wasn't guilty. He was just like, what are you doing? Like, come on, mate, what are you doing? And it was like mm. it was a reflex because I, I don't think Finch is like that. Finch would have been later like, yeah, definitely was out out of my crease there. But still, the face was that kind of like 
Mate. Like it, it, it turned into a social kind of uh, mm. interaction, mm. A, a real a real grade cricket mm. standoff. Mm. Uh, and I don't know, do you offer someone more by warning them or just taking the bales? It depends how you do it, I reckon. Because if you're going to mancad someone, you want to flick the bales off with nonchalance like see you later, mate. You don't want to dive desperately <laughs> no, while well, they're diving back into no, the crease. No, I still maintain that, <laughs> no, I maintain that the, what you want to do is you want to fucking decim- – you want to knock all three stumps yeah. out. Dive through it like Jaunty Rose. But like, not even look at this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want your head yeah. through it. <laughs> but like you want to maintain eye contact with the batsman the entire time. Look into their diving. eyes and into their soul yeah. whilst you're diving. So you actually – your head's turned the other way to the stumps yeah. by that point and you're yeah. just looking at them. Yeah. See, I'd be on board with mancads if that was the rule, that you had to maintain eye contact with the batsman while you did it. And, and, and DRS is just – Give, it's, it's like VAR It's yeah, like VAR in the Premier League Where yeah. you have the line Yeah you have the line <laughs> So where's his eyes like looking The there. protractor <laughs> No he's looking over his shoulder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright so yeah So we're doing a good wrap Of the IPL Based yeah. on these minis and, and what the app is doing And whatnot. The other one He goes you can't talk about the IPL Without talking about Coley So um, Coley scores of 3, 1 and 14 And the questions came out Is Coley any good? Then he goes on to hit 72, not out, and his coach, Simon Cadditch, normal sentence, says, no, nah, he's looked good in the nets. <laughs> <laughs> we have a More great stuff. Simon Cadditch, standing in India, asked about Virat Kohli's form yeah. after he's hit 70 off nothing. Yeah. What do you reckon? Did, were you worried about his form? He's just like, ah, oh, he's, he's looked pretty good in the nets. Isn't – Cadditch is too fucking nice to be dealing with Kohli. Cadditch is Cadditch like got levels. such – does he? He's got levels, Cadditch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cadditch. I guess, I, guess, I guess he choked a bloke and just <laughs> he just a bloke. <laughs> He's a teammate. I forgot about that. Yeah. The most famous incident from his yeah, entire he's career. too nice. Yeah. <laughs> he, choked, he choked the vice captain. He didn't do what he wanted. <laughs> he was going to go home after a match. Wouldn't have thought so, mate. Not on my watch. Go on, come up against the wall. Come here. I'm the vice captain. Get over here. That's how it happened. Yeah, that's how he got the job. So Coley says after he after he hit seventy, he's not out. He goes, "Oh, it's a funny game, you know. It's an amazing." He said exactly like this, and it's an amazing game. Uh, talking to Ian Bishop after the game, he says, "I was telling Joss, Joss Butler, when I was batting in there, I love this game and I hate it too." So even Coley, he goes, "Yeah." Uh, and I looked this up. I look, you know, love and hate. This this goes beyond cricket. There was like, there's actually been a series of studies done at Berkeley University, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it was found that it was in 2014. People don't just love or hate significant others; they love and hate them. Mm-hmm. That's normal. And this is for cricketers out there. Like the yeah. key to getting through the inevitable hard times, as yeah. my own research suggests, right. is to never stop trying to understand where your partner is coming from. That's what it said yep. in the Berkeley study about love and hate. Okay. Um, so I guess the question for Virat and us is where is cricket coming from? Cricket's the partner. Um, and, yeah, so after he made 70, he just got a start last night and got out. So It's funny with Cully because I think his record in the IPL is actually not very good. Like for, for – Arguably the best. Mm. Well, I think he's well. Barbara Zahm is the number one OD, um, T20 player in the world, but I think Coley is Coley averages like sixty in fucking. Or he, it's above fifty. Anyway. When you say it's not very good, do you mean it's not very good relative to his other records, which are amazing? Oh, I think it's it's actually like he's like mid level performance wise in terms of everyone who's ever played in the IPL. So it's it's significantly dropped. That's that's what I understand it to be. Yeah, <clears throat> I really hope that's right because that's going to be twelve thousand messages. I don't think people will, will be writing in at all about, about Coley. No, I about, about, so. about Coley's IPL stats. <laughs> <laughs> You've plucked from the top of your head. <laughs> no, I think he's about mid mid level. Top of my head. I think he might. Oh, I think I wrote it yesterday. Shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> now I'm having an argument with myself that someone's written in. They haven't written in yet. Anyway, um, uh, was it on here? There was a thing. Um, there was a thing about. Um, there was a thing about no Gavaska. Um, after maybe his second failure in this IPL, he was like, you know, he's he's only he hasn't played enough cricket because um, um, Collie's wife, whose uh, name escapes me, she's a Bollywood actress, is pregnant with her first child, and so he's been spending a lot of time at home. And and then Gavaska made a comment something about, um, you know, his only warm up into this IPL is is um, playing um, cricket in the backyard with his wife. Mm. And then she took to Twitter and then it fucking became a whole thing. It was just like, leave me out of this, you know, rat's fine and all this kind of shit. And that's sort of kicked up a storm in, um, in India. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't got a lot of runs in the IPL. Mm. I think I just read last night that he's like the first to make 5,000 runs in the IPL. Coley? Yeah. In like 180 matches or something like that. So welcome to the stats show. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he goes, that's the IPL wrap. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Uh, right. Smith, guitar, Watson, Stick. Yeah. Fuck, wanted some rides there. Foley, Coley's any good. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> Cummins overpriced. Yeah. Cummins overpriced. Thornis did some stuff. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd never say that we're not a pop for the people. Um, Pez, um, the Australian women are playing some uh, – <clears throat> they've played some T20s and they're playing some ODIs against New Zealand and they've won 20 ODIs in a row yeah. now. I thought played... you about to say Australian women are playing some pretty good cricket. Well, they are playing some yeah. pretty good cricket as well, to be fair. I mean, like, this team may never lose again. Yeah. And we're, like, right in that threshold. Now, I think it is fair to say that Australian – is it uh, is it just Australia or is it the UK as well? I can't remember. Is it England, England fully professional? I think they are. I think England are fully professional. But it's only Australia and England that are fully professional in the women's game. So I think it's fair to say that, like, whilst Australia's record is fucking amazing, it's, like, in that realm where, like, hmm – each time they take the field, they should probably win, especially against New Zealand. They've got a wonderful record against. New Zealand's got some fine players. Divine, for instance, fucking bowling, batting, amazing. Mm. But, like, overall, player for player, mm. Australian women should win most games. I love, game. the, I love this evolution in the cycle of expectation. So it's like we lose – we don't win the 2018 World Cup. Right. We're behind the eight ball. Mm. Two years later, incredible structural changes are made, led by Cricket Australia to professionalise the women. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they've got money and whatever, but they've literally put the investment in. They're, re- they're reaping the rewards on the field, yep. playing some excellent cricket, and now it's like, well, they're professional. We expect them to win. In fact, a loss is actually the big story. But isn't that fair? In they're, terms of Australian they're, expectations, Their full-time yeah. job. Their yeah. full-time job it's is to job. play cricket. They yeah. should fucking win every game. Yeah. And what does it mean players. if they don't? Mm, for you Well to be fair Even if you are the best team Every time you take the field It's like winning a coin toss Each time is a, is a 50-50 chance right But each time they take the field They still have to win the game And they, they mm. haven't had a bad day In 20 times they've played mm. 20 wins in a row Any level of sport is fucking amazing If you're like a gun I'm thinking like in grade terms now Always If a first grade team Was put into the second grade comp mm. Could they win 20 times in a row would they, would they have a bad day and lose? Mm. Depends where they were playing. Depends <laughs> and wins a toss. <laughs> it's all that kind of shit. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Vic Lanning's good. In year eight, we were studying probability. And there was a que- and it was low. It was what the a fuck is Low level now? match. <laughs> it, was a low, it was a lot going on. <laughs> and one of the questions was about what's the probability of winning a, like a football match if. Um, uh, you're like playing against a deaf team. Two. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the was, answer the answer was it depends depends who was playing, uh, mm-hmm. and it wasn't fifty fifty, and it just caused a huge row between me and friends that continues to this day. Uh, so, is it fifty fifty when you go and play a match? Anyway, no, I don't think it is. All right. Should we talk about the shield? 
Yeah, it's all about the Shield. Let's start this week. Yeah. Yeah, didn't realise it started this week. What are we looking at? Is it, is it going to be on cricket.com.au? Well, fuck, I mean, talk about what we're looking at here. Well, Justin Langer said the other day, I pretty much know what the team's going to be. Yeah, for the, t- the test side. <laughs> I mean, how can we yeah. kill cricket more this summer? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, he shouldn't have said that, even if he knew that was right, because really, Shield... It's true. There's a lot of good stuff with Shield, whatever. It's And now that there's no crowds at any pro matches, any international matches anyway, it's pretty much just like watching the Shield yeah. on cricket.com.au. Mm-hmm. But really, it's about like we're talking about bat offs, bowl offs, all that kind of malarkey. There's always you know two or three spots up for contention mm-hmm. for the Test side, and we just like the novelty of it. You know, like like uh, we, we need some we need some novelty this summer. Of course, the Test side might be really settled; they might win every single game. You know, probably probably not. But if they did, I still want to have the novelty feeling of who might look new and good in a baggy green cap. You know, mm-hmm. we still need to see Pekovsky yeah. in that cap. Uh, Curtis Patterson, to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. you know, he's back, not injured anymore. But the big one this summer, I reckon, the, what I'm calling for this summer for novelty purposes only is Chris Green. Uh, Chris Green. Oh, my daughter, Cameron Green. Mm-hmm. Chris Green. <laughs> no, you can wait a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, hang on a sec. Cameron Green. Yeah, okay. okay. Cameron Green. The, well, uh, wraps the, on the, him. The, yeah, well, the new Flint's off, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, looks yeah. good. He's young. Ponting uh, likes him. Yeah, 100 in front of Tim Payne last year. Mm-hmm. You know, can bowl sort of 130s, 140s. Ponting mm-hmm. likes him. Mm-hmm. So this is what we need to say. We don't really know what his face looks like that much yet. So when you'd see him in the lineup for the National Anthem, you're like, oh, this is new. Couldn't pick him what up. Is this, what does this body do? You need to You need to have like a you need to have, you need to have a horse in the race. And I don't know. I don't know who my horse is in the race this year. I think maybe the team. Maybe, maybe, no, 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 no. Just like you know how you when you're watching the game, mm-hmm. when you get to those like second and second, or you get to the third and fourth test and they're dead rubbers. Um, you need like you need to fucking invest in someone. You need someone to do well. Like Jai yeah. Richardson bowling, taking, you know, debut, taking wickets. You yeah. know, feel good about that. Curtis Patterson a few years ago scoring mm-hmm. runs. Mm-hmm. You know, even like when Marnus mm-hmm. first came into the team, like mm-hmm. before the Ashes. Oh, I just want these new guys to do well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who my horse is this year. I don't know. Maybe it's the team. Maybe the team is the horse. Maybe which maybe no, show just no, needs no, to beat no. India. No, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a. Player. I don't think Smith is my horse. Oh really? I don't know if it is. Is Manus my horse? Oh, to to be serious, who's my horse, Pez? Yeah, oh, I, it's going to be a process for you to work that out. I mean, let's open that to the listeners. Who yeah. ask them who their horse is? Who's who's their <laughs> horse this summer? Which horse are we backing? What do we want? It's hard to know what we want. I want to know. I don't know. I want to know if Manus. I want to know if Manus is is sixty three point four Manus when he's got to face Boomer and the like. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm a keen good on point. That. Like a that's good, a good there's, point. There's good bat versus bowl ball contests. That's true. Or bowl. That's you know, true. If you're Twelve. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, which I am. Yeah. So there's there's that this summer. There's you know Smith had a bit of a down summer after his heroics at the Ashes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Smith v Boomer. Everyone v Boomer basically. Yeah. Uh, you know Warner. Warner at home, they're the best bowling. Team. It, it, there's some good bat v ball contests. I wonder how up for it Australia is going to. This is our wrap of the shield. I wonder how up for Australia is going to be for it. Like, do they need to, you know, right the wrongs of two years ago when we just got fucking absolutely pumped by India? Yeah, like losing at home that does not happen in Australia. It's it's genuinely one v two. So, but then India mate just got fucking pumped by New Zealand mm. beginning this year. Fuck, that mm. feels like it was ages ago. Yeah. So India can't really play away, but they speak but they the yeah. But then you look at that team, like Hanscom at four and stuff, yeah. and, you know, it wasn't even good Hanscom. So what we're saying is 4 nil Australia. Guess mm. so. Guess so. Okay. Guess so. I don't know what else to look for the Shield. I, 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 I mean, you know, Joe Burns, open, you know, Bulmer, yeah. those guys only need to knock him over a couple of times. Could be a new opener. What about Renshaw's coming back? Well, Renshaw lost, yeah, lost his Queensland spot. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, who comes who comes in? I mean, it, 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 there could be a bad offer for an opener. Yeah, Kawaja. You know, Kawaja, Harris, all that malarkey. You know, yeah. if it, I may as well go somewhere new. That doesn't get me off, though. I'm no. not getting off on the fucking... Off Harry. Yeah, I'm not getting off on it. Yeah. What gets you off? <sighs> gets you off. Dan Hughes. Dan Hughes scores a couple of tons. You want that? Feet. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got good feet? Opens a batting. It's actually one I've never understood. Hey, Pez, uh, Dan Christian won the Vitality Blast for... I don't know. I'll get to Dan now. Um, <laughs> speaking of feet... Um, Dan Christian won the Vitality Blast for for knots. Yeah. Uh, they beat Sun in the final. He made he, honestly like he's. You look at his like uh, his trophy cabinet, which isn't. That's more of a football mm. thing. Like, and he does have a, a cabinet, mate. He's got some rings in his fucking cabinet. He's got rings. He's got trophies. He's got all sorts. He's oh. he's won fucking everything. Hates winning. Hates winning. He did go through a period where he lost. I think it was like seventeen games in a row. Or something. Uh, the funniest twenty games. Did we say this? Like we? we I think we might have we, introduced it. We Maybe. we interviewed him uh, for our Channel the Seven TV show, show yeah. and like we'd I don't know what we're talking about. Then off air, he said like no one's picked this up yet, but I've lost fifteen matches in a row. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I lost my last four with knots, and then yeah, I lost yeah. my first year. Whatever, it was like it eleven is. with uh, yeah, Renegades. With the Renegades. Yeah, 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 no one's yeah. picked it up yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, he's back to his winning ways, again. mate. He like he. he he hit four sixes in a row to sort of come from behind to win the semi final against Lancashire, and then uh, he took four wickets because the, the games were reduced. Um, so that so the, in the the Vitality Bus they played the two semi finals on the same day, then they played the final in the in the evening, nice. and the semi finals were eleven overs a side, reduced a bit of rain around stuff, and then they played the final sixteen overs anyway. In the final, uh, Dan Christian, I think he, he had about two or three overs, took four wickets, and then hit fucking thirty as well. I mean, he's just good for him. Good for him. Good salad these days too. He's getting a little flop going on. Looking good. So, yeah, high fat. Looking good. Looking good. Yeah. Good if you can do it. Good if you can do it. Um, Pez, we've got Neil Wagner coming up mm. and we've also got Jason Crazier coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but before then, it's what the fans want. That's what – and they've been hanging out for this. That's what – I don't know. <laughs> that's a, that's what about Manscaped, Pez. Manscaped, right. before we go, we go to – Great friends of the show. Becoming great friends of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got to say, the last time we did a Manscaped that I received some personal correspondence from people who were kind of uh, side-mouthing me about the indignity of hawking, you know, really? genital shaving technology as a father of two. Okay? Because okay? Manscaped, of course, as you know, he goes. Yeah. We're talking about the lawnmower 3.0. <laughs> feels weird to read stuff, eh? Oh, the other bits you have to read. Uh, but guess what? What? The job it did first time I used it was why, so, why are people messaging you with the indignity of it? Father of two shouldn't be, you know, like, you know, you must be struggling if you're talking about ball shaving technology. What, not allowed to talk about feeling good about yourself? Yeah. Oh, oh that's fuck fine. out of his well, DMs. I've got something to say about okay. it. Oh. Firstly, I lost my cord, my Manscaped cord. Fucking I'm glad you said cord. Jesus, I don't know where that was going. You lost your cord? Right, straight in Manscaped. They sent me a new one straight up, straight off the bat. So firstly, great customer service. Um... But, uh, Ooh, yeah, the, 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 up, you know, the, the, like there's a suggestion that my exasperated hawking of genital groomers was somehow unbecoming. I actually believe that it's the heights of positive masculinity to be talking about manscaped and using manscaped. Interesting, interesting. A safe, clean, affordable way to trim that hair of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, yeah. you know you want to trim it. He goes, if you're a man. Hang on a second. Are there people out there who aren't trimming? Get the fuck out of here. That's ridiculous. It's well, 2020 there's people. people. There's That's people ridiculous. out there who've mangled around with scissors. They've nicked themselves. Oh, they've come never on. Grow told, up. They've never told anybody Grow about up. it. They've got razors out. They've nicked themselves. There's blood, but they won't tell anybody. That's fucking now ridiculous. That's an insult to it's, your partner as well. It's uneven. What are you, fucking Edward Scissorhands? Exactly. Hacking away? Yeah. Have you some having respect. dreams about that? 
I'm Edward Scissorhands having a cricket dream and now I'm having Edward Scissorhands <laughs> trying to trim my own pubes. Manscaped 3.0, the lawnmower 3.0. It literally does that. The grooves are deep. They don't cut your balls. They don't cut the hair above your yeah. penis. It's actually amazing. It's actually it's uh, actually a fucking game changer. Like legit, it's a game changer. It's LA, it, it is. A, I'm done. It is. Like, I'm, I'm done now. I literally have the, the thing that I need mm. to keep it even around there and it doesn't hurt me. Mm. It's manscaped. I've actually, thrown out, I've actually thrown out all my scissors. I tried I don't to, need I tried to cut up a bag though. They had yeah. no scissors in the house. I'd use yeah. a manscaped. Yeah, exactly. Also, Pez, summer's around the corner, Australia. Quarantine in uh, Melbourne. Here, a couple of weeks is going to be over. Really People are going to be meeting no again. There's no other product that does this, is to my knowledge. Because no. I've got clippers that I've used for my face. Yeah. Very, very sort of sharp clippers. Wouldn't go near my testicles with that. Okay? Yeah. Wouldn't go near the sack with those clippers. Not, yeah. with, not in a million years. No, no, no. These grooves are deep on man. Risky. It's fine. I've done it once. I'm like, this is, this is fine. I'm done. I'm literally done. I've yep. got the product. Yep. Okay? Yep. No, fine, mate. If you are of the same view and you don't want to tell anybody else and whatever, oh, my God, he's unbecoming talking about the fucking Manscaped. Okay. Just want, if you want it to be a secret for yourself, that's fine. Manscaped.com. Use the offer. It's not, you're not only going to get the product, you're going to get 20%, 20% off, off as a result of this. Incredible. Use the offer code, very clear box there, TGC, 20% off. Okay? Straight off. For all that stuff, free shipping, etc. Yep. Okay? Yep. Trim balls, trim pubes. It's done, guys. It's done. It's sorted. What better way to introduce Neil Wagner and Jason Crozier on the show? Okay, here goes. Been trying to get this bloke on for a little while. Trying to get a lot of Kiwis on, and they're always very obliging, uh, very helpful there. Willie Nichols, the media manager, has been very helpful right. uh, with that. And uh, Will Somerville tipped me off to this one. Friend so of the Will show. Somerville, Will Somerville, Somerville friend of the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the entire apparatus, you know, yes. true to form with the Kiwis. Um, here's some numbers for you. 48 tests, 206 wickets at 26, 9 fifers, best bowling of 7 for 39. 43 wickets in 2019 at 17.8. 722 first-class wickets in 170-odd matches. Uh, he goes, it's the man who frightened us, our nation, mm. last summer, Neil Wagner. Neil, welcome to the Great Cricketer. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome. That's sharp start from Neil. Okay, look, let's, just, let's rock straight into this with a key question, Neil. Like, I, I want to hop straight into it. You know, un- uh, until you arrived last year, it was thought that the only way for seamers to succeed in Australia was to bowl at 145 kilometres an hour plus regularly, <laughs> 150 preferable. Mm. Uh, it was the only way to take wickets. It's the only way to be respected socially, emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. <laughs> Turns out it's not the secret at all. Turns out the secret is just bumping blokes. Yep. How happy are you to have been the person to unlock the blueprint for dismantling Steve's Smith in Australian society? Yeah, I wouldn't go as far. Um, <laughs> uh, to come back to your pace question, uh, yeah, I fell underneath that trap quite a bit, uh, to be fair, and um, I think as a cricketer, yeah, the speed gun sort of kills swing a little bit at times, and uh, and also, yeah, I can do with skill, but, you know, you guys got some pretty skillful bowlers that can do it at a, at a pretty decent flick, but um, for sure, fellas like myself, I think you sometimes get carried away uh, with throwing the ball too quick um, and looking at the speed gun, and I sort of, with time as your career goes on and you get a bit of experience, you sort of seem to put that away a little bit, not worry about that or too fast, but just with consistency of length, even if it is either, either a short ball or bounce or if it is uh, top of the stump sort of stuff, the ball swinging. Um, to be consistent, I guess, is what gets you in the game. And, um, and obviously having a little bit of a point of difference, something different in there, uh, which has obviously been... Been the short stuff for me, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can sometimes look away and just try and bowl 150, and and that's it. But um, there's been some phenomenal bowlers around the world who's been 
uh, obviously um, pretty good skill-wise, uh, not bowling that pace and still have pretty good numbers. But, yeah, if you look at your big boys that you have on that side, it is pretty frightening when you can pull all that together and bowl 150k an hour. Um, that is, yeah, pretty lethal. But uh, I guess the big question is, is how long you can do it for because it's pretty tough to roll that pace, especially in that heat. Mm. Um, if you're going in for 10 over spells with all, you know, 10, 20 overs plus in a day, which uh, the Aussies are bloody smart and kept us in the field for a long period of time. And I think we bowled about 35 overs in the plus. So, um, that did, yeah, make the workload a bit heavier. Mm. We'll come back to the delineation between uh, the short ball and the bouncer. Mm. And, uh, big yep. and big boys. And big boys. But uh, I want to go right back to the beginning of your story. And, you know, we, we speak a lot about here on the Great Cricket about alpha life. And there's perhaps no bigger alpha than Faf Duplessis, which I understand, Neil, um, that you went to school with Neil back in Pretoria. So I need mm. to know, you know, was Faf always the king alpha? Was his rig always impeccable? You know, what was Faf like back in those days? <laughs> Well, there was not a he out of place. <laughs> yeah, on the chair. <laughs> uh, his shirts, his shirts were always uh, extra small and made sure they're very tight. And um, <laughs> yeah, he definitely looked the bit. Uh, so what you see from there is exactly the way he was when he was 13 years old as well. So um, nothing has changed there, to be fair. And his rig has always been immaculate. He was one of those guys who who liked being uh, at the swimming pool without a shirt on and being able to show his muscles. So. Fair point to him, he's always looked after really well. <laughs> around, the, around the same time when you were a, a junior, Neil, it emerges that uh, there's, there's a story from Glenn McGrath's Cricket World Cup diary in 2003 in South Africa yeah. um, when he picks out, just in, in his book, he just says, I was a great bowl in the nets. His name's William oh, yeah. Wagner. The spelling yeah. is all over the shop, but um, <laughs> that's on brand. You would have been 16 at the time. He, he picks you out as one to look, look out for in the future. And we're talking about alpha life. I mean, what did you learn that day about Australian alpha life in the nets with Dizzy? you know, whoever else, Andy Bickle, Glenn McGrath. Yeah, I think um, I was 17 years old and and I think my persona, what my experience was growing up in Serafia was looked at Australians and you thought they arrogant and cocky and, you know, know all sort of guys. It was sort of what you brought up to sort of perceive of them and look at them and, and know they're big dogs. And the thing that I think struck me the most was the guys were very down to earth. They were very polite, very nice and, sort of walked in there and I was quite shy and didn't really want to say much but uh, Brett Lee, uh, you know, uh, Jason Gillespie, um, Glenn McGrath was, and Andy Bickle was amazing. The way they approached us, the amount of time they put into us and the nets and, and trained with us was, was unbelievable and, and these are the sort of guys you look up to and you're sort of quite scared because like I said, I thought they you know going to be a little bit more arrogant and quite you know big about themselves but they wasn't. It was literally the exact opposite and the thing that stood out for me the most was that Clem McGrath and Bradley actually picked my bag up and walked it to my parents' car uh, as my parents came and you know, picked me up and dropped me off for this training. And, and they walked it all the way to my parents' car, had a yarn with my mom and dad, and sort of, you know, McGrath, the tall man he is, was sort of leaning on this small little car's roof and yarning to my parents. And, and the bus was waiting for them. Um, and, and they made the bus wait while they were talking to my folks. And I thought that was pretty awesome. And, I think the thing that stood out the most was a couple of years down the track, I think uh, it's quite a few years later, um, probably about six or seven years later, Bradley played for Wellington in a T20 game against Otago when I played for Otago in Queenstown. And I saw Bradley then, and he remembered exactly who I was and asked me about the shift to New Zealand and everything and remembered the day to it at all um, exactly. So I, I looked at him, I was a little bit starstruck and a bit stunned and sort of looking off of that. That's pretty special, you know, that takes a, a serious character to be able to, to remember a kid like that and, and come in and ask and say, you know, pretty awesome to see you, mm. you followed out your career and your dreams and, and stuff like that. And 
Um, and yeah, I mean, just the, the, you know, the knowledge and the experience that they had at that time to be able to, to learn a little bit out of the needs from them, um, was huge. So it's a moment that I remember for the rest of my life. And, and I know, you know, thinking about kids today, um, and how you want to be, I guess, perceived as a kid and, and what you want to give to a kid is, is, is literally trying to aspire to do exactly what they did. Cause I know how big a, I guess, impact it had on my life. Um, and for him to write about it in his diary, which I never knew until, yeah, I caught up about yeah, a couple of months ago when we played that uh, Sydney Test for the Melbourne Test, talking to him in the middle, and then someone got hold of it um, in the media and tweeted me that. Um, I did not know about it, so I thought it was, uh, it was pretty special as well. Mm. You've obviously played all over the world, Neil, and, and you obviously started in South African provincial cricket there. I mean, how different is South African provincial cricket to, say, domestic cricket in New Zealand? I, I imagine, you know, that level of um, South African cricket. I know you played against Dean Elgar uh, in test matches, and you obviously played him against him uh, in, in uh, South African provincial cricket as well. I mean, is, is it ultra-aggressive, those kind of matches? I, I envisage, like, South African domestic cricket to be super sledgy and, like, high-octane, whereas New Zealand's just a whole bunch of nice guys. It, it sort of was a little bit, but depending, I guess, who you played, it was sort of always the rivalries, as well as the sort of neighbouring teams. It was um, always had a little bit more heat on it, mm-hmm. um, and it was a little bit more going around it, but other teams wasn't too much. So, to be fair, it wasn't too dissimilar from what we experienced in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, New Zealand could be a lot more relaxed, and it is a bit more relaxed, but there was the odd, you know, similarities around it as well, I guess, especially in first-class cricket. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think... Um, to be fair, uh, you know, at that time I played um, cricket, South African cricket was in a very, very strong position where they was. I mean, just the amount of bowlers that was lining up in the queue and the guys who were playing, um, it was pretty tough to crack a side at that stage. Um, just with the talent going around and, and coming to New Zealand, it was sort of, you sort of like back against the wall again. There was quite a bit of talent around coming through the ranks, um, especially young guys coming in. So you sort of felt like, you know, you was continuously sort of knocking on the door and having to fight really hard and work really hard. And I guess um, coming from that background of South Africa sort of helped me when I came in here that it wasn't really like I was just trying to ease into things and, and just trying to find my way. It was mm. sort of really having to fight for your spot and put your hand up and, and show that you wanted to play and, and be here. When you uh, when you moved to New Zealand, um, I, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about a game specifically, 2011, Otago versus, who were you playing? I think it's Wellington. You took four wickets in four balls, so a double hat-trick, and then you took a fifth wicket in the sixth ball of the over, which is the first time it's ever happened in first-class cricket history. At that point, were you thinking, well, I'm probably about five minutes away from the test team here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not really, to be fair. Um, uh, the only thing I was thinking was getting off the bloody field because it was bloody freezing. Um, so uh, we were playing in Queenstown. <laughs> we were playing in Queenstown, and there was obviously a bit of fresh snow on the on the remarkables right on the mountains, and the breeze was just coming nicely off that too. So um, I think uh, the game was quite dead and dull, and there was no wickets happening. And sort of went through a period where we thought, "Oh, we're going to be you know in the park for a long time." There. And um, yeah, as soon as those wickets happened, I think the hand warmers were out there and stuff like that, and mm. people were just happy to get off the off the park to be fair. But um, yeah, I mean, in that time, we're sort of getting closer to the point where I was going to qualify and um, and be able to become eligible to play for New Zealand. And I didn't really ever think that, you know, I had a foot in the door or anything like that. I sort of felt like you had to work really hard, and especially being someone coming from another country, um, you had to sort of, you know, um, you, you always, well, I guess when you start coming here, you feel like you have to prove something, and it's the worst thing you can think about. But that's how you feel, when, you, especially when you're young, you sort of feel like you've got to prove something, and and be something, you know, um, and then you can sometimes, I guess, fall on a bit of a trap and, and try too hard. But, um, yeah, I guess looking back at it, it was sort of, you know, um, 
didn't really expect anything like that. Just wanted to keep working hard and, mm. and show that I wanted to play and that I try, you know, believe that I belonged um, in some sort of way. But uh, yeah, it was obviously the start of something. It was a pretty special day that, and, and, and something that I guess will stick to the memory box for a very long time. Oh, game's dead. Get wags on. Get yeah, wags on. Yeah. How many? So you got five <laughs> wickets in an over. I mean, how many of those were pitched up at the stumps? You actually did. Did one slip out and pitch one up? <laughs> to be fair, mate, that was when I was back in the day swinging the ball and didn't really well that many buffers. <laughs> it, was, um, <laughs> it was actually reversing quite a bit. It was a brace of surface and, and a reverse, so everything was quite full in Yorkers and the stumps. Mm-hmm. I sort of, at that stage of my, uh, I guess my career was the exact opposite. I was known for bowling Yorkers and not bounces, mm-hmm. so um, things have changed a lot since then. So, um, yeah, I guess it's a bit of a switch around and yeah, you've got to do what you got to do to try and obviously um, yeah, make your mark and be successful, I guess. Still had two leg gullies in, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was nothing. It was two gullies, normal gullies, though. But, yeah. Oh, you know the exact if, if, I, if, I, if I knew back then what I know now, I probably would have had something. <laughs> Let's talk about now, Neil. Uh, you know, 43 wickets of 17.8 last year. Uh, you know, we often talk on the show about the smug enjoyment the batsmen feel when making 100 in a losing side. Mm. Uh, you know, head back to the change room. You know, you know, you did your job. Um, nobody else did. Uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, how, how satisfying was last summer's tour to Australia on that level uh, for you as a bowler? It wasn't very satisfying at all. To be lies, lies, um, lying, lies. It, was, <laughs> it, it was quite. Uh, it was quite tough to be honest. It was a little bit bittersweet. Yeah, it's nice to. Uh, I get some performances on the ball personally and, and I just try and contribute and do my best for the side but I guess the uh, the dull side of it is I'd rather take an unfair and walk off the field and know we've beat in Australia no, at a no, boxing day no, test no. match I, don't believe I can give you that for sure <laughs> no, don't believe <laughs> I'll, put, uh, I'll put a lot of beers on it I'll give you that <laughs> um, <laughs> <The> beers <laughs> I remember that um, beers in ages yeah yeah it's sort of um, yeah it's sort of a bit of a dull moment to be fair yeah you're walking off and you're being completely outplayed and to be honest being bossed around a little bit um, I think it's one of the hardest things about touring Australia is that when you're on the back foot you're sort of having yeah, uh, to create something and you're sort of you know behind the eight ball a little bit it is a tough place to to obviously come back and, and put Australia under pressure they're that good in their own conditions that you know when you're sort of behind from the start um, and things go against you uh, you always feel like you're playing a bit of catch up you sort of know you've got to strike early and you've got to be on top of them and there's a lot of things that got to go your way with obvious tosses and conditions. And, and um, once Australia gets a, the foot on the throttle, they uh, they don't really let go. Um, so that was a pretty tough series for us personally, especially with some high expectations from people back home and even with us personally that we wanted to obviously uh, play really well and wanted to win that series and, and, and perform against a quality team. And, um, yeah, it was quite a disappointing tour for us, you know, um, in that sense. So... Uh, the personal sort of side of things, it, it sort of feels like it's sort of then, you know, down and down low for me. It's just to to contribute in whatever way I can for us to win games. And uh, I guess, like I said, if you take a five and you're losing a test match, it, it doesn't really feel uh, as good. And taking a five and winning a test match is a pretty special feeling. Um, but yeah, I guess that is just the way cricket goes. Yeah, well, uh, it's all good. We all have to say what we need to say in public. You know, that's fine. Well, let's 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 uh, let's speak about you on a purely personal level and keep the team out of it, if that's possible. Yeah. I mean. Steve Smith was so difficult to get out for the Englishman. It has been difficult to get out for pretty much every country. Like, how satisfying is it for you for the rest of your life whenever Steve Smith goes on to make more runs, which he will because that's all he knows how to do, you'll be able to sit at home having a barbie and purely at the side of your mouth just say, you just got to bump this bloke. 
<laughs> Very satisfying, if I'm not going to lie. That's, yeah, we, um, yeah, we go. Now we go. Only to the point that he is, um, he is an absolute freak. He's a cricket nuffy. Um, he is exceptional talent. And I remember from the first time I played him, where he was only just a, a leg spinner and batting down the order. Um, he already showed the traits that he was a, a fighter and just one of those guys that was just lately he just looked like he couldn't bat but he just bat and mm. just kept scoring runs and it was frustrating and um, yeah I guess uh, you know when you that good and one of the world's best that's where you, you want to stand up against those sort of guys and try and get them out and you want to compete against those sort of guys and, and for me lucky it came off and had a bit of a plan to him and, and that plan sort of happened and uh, I guess Brent McCullum's last test in 2015-16 I think at Christchurch where he's pretty much slapped us all around the ground and I think he got 130 or 150 odd um, and yeah scored all over the ground and got towards the later half of the innings we just went nah screw that let's just bump the guy and um, <laughs> found, found a little something there to be fair that's where he first got out in that sort of fashion that way and um, yeah then obviously in the World Cup to Lockie he got out similar sort of way pulling like that and I sort of felt that there's still something that hasn't really Change the end. It's maybe a point to try and attack him in that sort of way, and um, yeah, obviously try swinging the ball first and pitch it up, and that's probably not the way to go to Steve Smith because he just scores in, in very weird areas and he scores a lot of runs. So you want to try and, and dry a guy like that up and, and make it hard for him because yeah, uh, yeah, it's just making something different, I guess. And um, yeah, luckily it came off. Um, he showed extreme resilience and, and a lot of patience with it. I think you know, especially in the Melbourne TC. He wore a lot on the body and he kept ducking and, you know, swaying through a few of them, um, which is full credit to him because I would have been pulling by that time. Um, mm. But, yeah, he sort of kept staying to his processes till, to the point where, you know, um, lucky it came off, but it was, uh, I guess, a little bit too late, I guess, in that sense. Speaking of wearing balls on the body, I mean, there was a great spell you bowled to Matthew Wade in the Adelaide Test match. I mean, in terms of things that I never want to do, it's facing you at nine o'clock in Adelaide with a pink ball. That's oh. been it, like he was just like letting the ball hit him yeah. and, and and then staring and then staring and like, so when you're bowling and a guy's just going, oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let this ball hit me in the body. First of all, like, why would you want to do that? Second mm. of all, why, isn't that extremely painful? Mm. I mean, like, what were you thinking when you're bowling? Like, I'm just gonna hit him in the shoulder here mm. and don't praise him. Sure. Firstly, if it, was, if it was in Adelaide, if it was in Adelaide, I thought we'd have said it was right, but it was actually in freaking Perth. Oh, it was in Perth. The office. Yeah, yeah, even better. Yeah. And, and, and on that wicket, which um, is known for quite a bit of pace and bounce and mm. sort of kicking up on the length, I thought it was pretty gutsy, uh, to be fair. And, um, yeah, he's a resilient character, isn't he? He just um, didn't want to let go. He didn't want to give his wicket up and kept wearing it. I couldn't believe it, to be fair. And sort of kept smiling at him. And I thought, Jesus God. I don't know what he's trying to do here, um, but he, yeah, he just he just kept going and kept going, and the more I sort of had him, the more he sort of wanted it, and I thought oh, I full credit to him, um, and yeah, he didn't want to get out to me, so I guess uh, yeah, the plan worked, um, but yeah, I was sure as hell wouldn't really wanted to do that because um, yeah, even though I'm not the quickest, it still probably would hurt and take a couple of shots, but uh, it was quite nice sitting with him afterwards in the Sydney Test match, um, having a beer and. Um, yeah, having a yarn and, and he was having a bit of a laugh about it and, and we sort of gave each other a bit of stick and uh, it was all good fun. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty fiery and, and fiery, feisty character he is. And, mm. Yeah, full credit to him. Did he have his shirt off while... Uh, yeah, were you, ice, were you icing his bruises? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think he wanted to show him, mate. I think he's just... <laughs> he <wouldn't want> to. <laughs> <It's> full skins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. It was just, that was just a really funny exchange because, uh, like, as youngsters, we're sort of similar age to Matt Wade, I guess, and we grew up with the folklore of Steve Waugh staring down Kurtley Ambrose and stuff on his way to 200. <laughs> and I think Matt Wade was sort of trying to emulate that in his own way by, like, staring at you, but it was it was just a little bit different. Mm. And your face was perfect because it was just more bemused. He was just mm. like, what, what, what are what, you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you like this? So this Perfect way to bring down a toxic <laughs> male. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, anything from you here, guys? Uh, Neil, thanks so much for joining us, mate, and enduring that. Uh, wishing you all the best uh, for the summer if and when you guys uh, can get on and, uh, and and hopefully chat to more of your uh, Kiwi colleagues soon. Thank you very much, mate, and uh, hopefully you guys get our lockdown soon too and have a good time. Okay, he goes. Uh, this man, he's, he's a heavily requested guest. Uh, this man, yeah. we finally, we finally got him. Um, he's a proud owner of uh, Australian Test cap number four hundred and four. Famously took twelve wickets on debut in India, knocking over Saywag, Dravid, Laxman, Dada, Dhoni, <laughs> and everyone else uh, before they cycled through him like they did fifty four other blokes with only one Test uh, who bowled spin. Um, there were also eight ODIs. There was one hundred and fourteen first class wickets by the end of his career, bowling the best looking spin. Yeah, we've seen this side of Shane Warne. Uh, he also wore the nickname Subway on his back while playing for Australia in 2007. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, it's our friend, your friend, Jason Crazier. Jason, welcome to The Great Cricketer. Thank you, guys. No, absolute honour to be on this show. This is incredible. <laughs> that sounded sincere enough. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. <laughs> um, Jason, let, let's start pre-grade cricket. Okay, before you played cricket, football or soccer was your game, according to all the articles here, uh, and you used to kick around with Mark Bosnich at a Malfi Park in southwest Sydney. Is that is that correct, or was that just sort of dialed up a little bit as you got into the side? Hmm. No, mate, that's uh, 100% genuine. My dad was a professional soccer player, um, so growing up, it was soccer was, you know, one of the main sports that was in the house, household all the time. You know, we were from a European background. And him being soccer was just a natural thing. And um, he coached, he knew he knew his dad very closely. They played soccer together. And then my dad coached Mark when he was a kid. Um, so then one day, when we, you know, every Sunday morning, there was a bunch of um, European guys, basically Yugoslav, Serbians, all mixed together, playing Sunday soccer in the Malfi Park directly behind our house. And one day, dad told me that Mark Bosnich was coming and he was playing for um, Aston Villa at the time. And he rocked up, and then we basically knew each other since then. And yeah, you know, I've seen him a few times since, um, and he and he does remember me. So I always thought maybe he didn't, but then he saw me and said my name. So I guess he got validated for me that he did know me because <laughs> I didn't think he did, but he remembers. Boswell was a king as a kid. Um, yeah. Into grey cricket, Jason, you played at Fairfield, Liverpool and Sydney and then Balmain before going over to Tassie. Uh, yeah. Just, just tell us, you know, like what sort of grounding does grade cricket give mm. an international aspirant, <laughs> both on, on the field and off, if any? Just what, what sort of grounding does it give you? Sort of grounding is a good question. I don't know. I guess um, <laughs> far out. It's a... Uh, Grade cricket is a tough competition. Uh, there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of talent out there. And as a young guy, for me, coming out of sort of that green shield, you know, green shield ages, the under 16s and all that junior stuff, you start playing against men and you start understanding the, the, the big steps that you, that, that you need to take to go from one level to the other. You know, it is a, it's a progression and you get better and better and better, but then every single step, it gets bigger. Um, and you you have to keep up with that. And that, that's something that, for me, as a young guy, I was talented, and I sort of relied on that as a kid. But then 
the further up the ranks you get, the harder you have to train and the more discipline you have to do. You have to be with your own training by yourself outside of, you know, um, the regular, you know, organised sessions. So it sort of became, uh, for me, became apparent of the amount of work I had to do. That was probably the biggest thing that opened my eyes. Um, you know that there is hard work and you assume it's just like uh, what everyone says, um, but it's way harder than you uh, actually think. And that's, you know, for me, great cricket was a, a competition that with 20 teams, um, you've got so much talent um, and you're then trying to get into the New South Wales team and then again into a smaller pool to get to Australia, which was almost always my goal. Um, it just sort of showed me the amount, amount of work that I had to do to be better than every single other person that I was playing against. Just, uh, just hard work, but you know, it's a great reward when you get to the top. Mm. Obviously, the pinnacle of any cricketer's life, you know, including internationals, is playing first grade, though. Mm, um, in Sydney. In, oh, in yeah. Sydney. Sydney, Sydney Test Cricket, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, at what you age? Carry on like a pork chop at training. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, last week we spoke to um, Ashton Agar, who had to wait to the ripe age of 15 before he got his chance in first grade. And I imagine you were similar lines, like definitely a teenager playing first grade, first cap. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. 16 or 17, it was just, just after just after Greenies, I'm pretty sure, 17 or 18. I Must think. have had a good season in Greenshield. Mm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Kingdom. 220 runs at 30 or something. Now, you, <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you, uh, are you one of these guys who, because you're obviously quite a good stick as well, um, but, you know, were you, were you one of those guys who, you know, started bowling a bit of seam and then turned to spin, bat as well, or were you always ripping in with the offies? Mate, I was a quick, but I remember my first game, and my, and my brother recalls this story, and when, when he tells me, I remember it. First game was at Shell Park at Woodlands, I think it was, against uh, Woodlands uh, in Sydney. First game, my brother told me to bowl spin, because that was a time, I think, when Tim May was a spinner, and he was like, mate, bowl off his, and apparently I just turned around and said, mate, pace gets wickets. <laughs> so I was a pace bowler. Um, all the way up until I was, I think, sort of on the under-13 state stuff, sort of the Metro, I think it was Metro Cup then, and I was the opening bowler and I was quick. I was one of the quickest guys in it. I was hitting, hitting guys in the head every week for fun, which was enjoyable. And then um, stress fracture comes in when uh, 13, which was really young at that oh stage. Oh, yeah. Um, that didn't really – that wasn't really – not a lot of kids got stress fractures at that stage that, I, that, that everyone had heard of, and that's what um, – Changed bowling, uh, bowling loads in the junior levels. I can only bowl six overs. I was sort of the the, the start of that because the physio Pat Faha was with the Australian team. Mm. He was disgusted. Um, took me into this big convention with physiotherapists everywhere at uh, at King's School. I remember it, and I was standing on stage. He was showing everyone my scans, and he's the one that said we need to bring in bowling loads because I bowled ten overs straight in the morning for juniors, then play seniors in the afternoon and bowl twenty straight. So I was just bowling so much and obviously stuffed my back. Mm. So is, it, is this to say, Jason, that you are responsible for the inception of bowling loads and all the controversy that's come with that? Well, I'll say at the junior level, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say at the top level in terms of resting blokes and all that sort of stuff, but at the junior level, <laughs> yeah, that's what um, Pat Farhart, that's what he told me. He wasn't very happy seeing young fellas getting stressy, so... Um, Fortunately, sorry guys, it's me. <laughs> Every time, sort of, you know, an old old quick comes out and goes, "Oh, when we were younger, we bowled thirty five overs in the nets, etc." They just need to bowl, mm. you know. It's really just because yeah, Crazy uh, did his back. <laughs> got stressy. Just bigger, just bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> let, yeah. Let, 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 
Yeah, go on, Jase. No, no, I was just going to say that's where I started bowling spin from that mm. point. Oh, yeah. um, and that was at 14, so I was a little bit older than I guess most, most spinners have been bowling since a kid, but I, mm. I changed at 14 because Mark Wall was my hero and he went from his little dinky old meds to mm. spin, so I thought I'd do the same thing because he was my hero. Yeah. Just start buying some offies and play test cricket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a funny game. <laughs> Just speaking of your ascension to the national side, like you know, the, the official version of you getting picked for Australia, you know, you're on an A tour in India, you leapfrog a few people. The romantic version is that Ponting's just watching you bowl in the nets and just says, "This bloke's got to play." Mm. Um, but then I, I then I learned that you didn't even know in the warm ups of that day that you were going to play. Cameron White just walks past and says, "Congrats, mate, you're in." And it just sort of says a bit about Australia, doesn't it? You know, this is a wonderful yeah. moment for you. It's like, oh, you're going to play, am I? Yeah, right. Eh? Yeah, well, mate, I was I was fully expect I was expecting to play from at least the second game when you know because they kept saying, mate, if the if the, if the wickets look like it's going to rag, you're going to play. And I think the second one was in Delhi, and Delhi was just red, just pure red <laughs> the wicket. And I was like, this is it, this is it. But didn't get a crack there, and that's exactly right. I, I was I was so high, I didn't actually have to, I didn't. I couldn't remember that punter gave me the cap. Yeah, nice. That's how much of a, I guess, of a shock in that time it was. I was just warming up. So this the last game of the year, going home in about seven days, and then Whitey tells me congrats. And I had no idea what for, whether I was just going to warm up really well or something. But that was it. <laughs> congrats that was for me. <laughs> really good warm-up. Warm up, good stretching. <laughs> so then, that was it. And then I was in. So it was... Uh, and there was a frantic because we couldn't have our phones in the change rooms anymore because of the betting all match, fixing, yeah. match fixing side. So I had to go scrambling around trying to get clearance to get my phone to at least text people at home to watch me. I'm on. Watch me on telly. Mummy. Record. Yeah. <laughs> record on my bowling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> record. Press record. <laughs> Everyone says, Jace, that um, – that Ponting is just like an amazing captain, especially for young guys coming to the team, their debuts and stuff. I mean, like everyone says that. So I, all I want to know is like, not the good stuff. Like what are his secrets? There's something mm. going on with Ponting. There's got to be some sort of dirt Skeletons. There. Skeletons, yeah. What are his skeletons? Can you reveal those? Just in publicly. <laughs> Man, if I had some dirt, I'd give it to yeah, you. No one's got any. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't have any dirt. It, was an absolute, it changed my life. It genuinely changed my life and approach on how to be, uh, how to handle myself as a cricketer you know when he came from the Australian team and come playing for, 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 for Tassie he was just like one of the boys and he gave equal amount of time to the hierarchy of the team versus the rookie who played first game it was it was so good and he would give side he gave all his time to everyone he would mm. throw your balls for hours and then you look at all the prima donna guys that were part of that um, and they wouldn't they would ask for throwdowns and walk away and go and sit down and look after themselves. But he was so good at giving his time away to everyone mm. and gave off all his knowledge. And that, that was that was so good. And that's sort of what brought me into the path of being a coach after cricket because mm. I just felt like I wanted to sort of do that myself. I haven't got the knowledge that he does. He's a different level. But, you know, whatever knowledge I've gained over the years, then I just want to give that back to kids. Mm. Well, let's just stay with that for a second because we, we all talk about the border laxman and twelve wickets and stuff. Uh, we, we've got to do that, but like, um, it's interesting. You you note that while Ponting was doing that, there's still some prima donnas around who wouldn't give the throwdowns and stuff like that. Is it, was that your experience of your time in the national side as well? That you still just have those people who mm. are like, I'll look after myself here. And do you think that's mm. kind of still the case in the Australian in, in Australian cricket, or, or or do you think it's getting a bit better? And what's Michael Clark like as a bloke? 
I, I think maybe it's. Uh, I think I found that more at the state level. Um, at, the, at the top level, there was a lot of help around, so you sort of had that um, ability to do that and focus on yourself. But at state cricket, there's a there's an element of helping each other out, and there was definitely you know a handful of people that um, uh, are, are quite selfish. But that selfishness is what, in, in a way, they needed to do that to be as good as they are. They, that's it was like their zone. Um, they would get into the zone and they wouldn't even think about giving someone else a throwdown. But you've always got the time and I just, you know, I change the way that I do that. But at the Australian level, I think it might, it may be changing a little bit, but they're the best. So they've got, you know, they've got uh, egos for a reason because that's what makes them tick. Mm. As long as they can control them, I guess. <laughs> if we can move on to, obviously, the great debut. Mm. Um where, where was Let's that? Where, where was that? It was... Uh, Nagpur. Yeah, Nagpur. Nagpur, Nagpur. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so I, I want to know, like, how you reflect on your debut. I mean, the first time you ever have a go at bowling test cricket, you take eight wickets in an innings, eight for 215, 12 in the yep. match. You get Sayawag out, Dravid, Laxman twice, Ganguly twice, Dhoni twice. But, you know, uh, you know, so many people... Like, how fucked is cricket, basically, where you get eight for 215 and kind of like some people would be like, ah, oh, went for a few, but... Yeah, at 25. Yeah. You're yeah. going to debut, yeah. you're going to take eight for at 25, at 25 a piece yeah. on your, in your first, and, and then in Australia people will be like, oh, I went for a couple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, that's always in the comments that everyone says, you know, you got eight for but you're expensive. And then I'm like, yeah, I was, but I got eight for I'll take the yeah. upper. Yeah. yeah. Take the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it was, what's it like, man? If I could describe the feeling of debuting for your country when you actually didn't know a month ago that you were going to be even play for Australia, it's yeah. ridiculous, you know? I went from, as you, as you guys mentioned, I was playing for Australia, A, that I'd played probably 10 times prior already. That was sort of the thing that, you know, I was always sort of close, but never got the opportunity. And then that comes around. And then you're standing at the other end of Saywag. And that's, you know, you're knowing how he treats spinners and how all of them treat spinners. Mm. Um, and how I got treated in the trial game, that's disrespect. But <laughs> they were always going to do that. Um, just to, you know, put some pressure on me. Um, but it was an incredible feeling, you know, for me to be standing there with, you know, ponting and wicket and mm. Hayden, and, you know, it was just, you know, mind blowing to me. Even turning up at Dubai Airport because we took the dumbest flight in the world to get there, we'd go over India for five hours and come back. <laughs> Getting to Dubai Airport and seeing everyone there with their suits on um, was just like I'm part of it. Like man, yeah, it just yeah. felt like yeah, I'm I'm in. Um, but it was just a little bit hard for me to get the feel of I was actually in. Um, and I know a couple other players have said the same thing. There was a, there was quite a big, strong hierarchy of players there that knew each other. Mm. And then I'm a new young bloke coming in. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, that Binger was on the tour because he was a mate already. So he sort of really took me under his wing and made me feel like part of the team. Um, but, man, playing that first test, that's, a, that's a ridiculous. And I, and I remember sitting in the shed at the end of taking eight far and just sort of slumping into the chairs and Michael Hussey come back and just said, do you understand what you've just done? And just, you know, whacked me on the back. And I then just gave myself that moment of going, Jesus, I just took eight wickets like far out. You know, I was buggered a lot of overs. Um, but man, what, that was an incredible feeling. Oh, it's fucking awesome, man. Like, did, did you have, like, going into that game, did you have a wicket that you really wanted? Like, I mean, you basically got all of them out at one point, uh, except, I guess, Tendulkar. But did, did you have one that you really wanted before? I know you were just happy to take one. No, I was happy, happy to take one, of course. Mm. Man, um, Ishant Sharma. Ten, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got him too. Yeah, got him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim was obviously one, and I had him dropped in the first inning, being a drop tip. So I could have had nine, which would have been. I bet you've never brought cool. that up. Love it. <laughs> to, no, to not, at all. not at all. It's never come up. Nah. <laughs> so, yeah, mate, it was just trying to, at the beginning, it was trying to get Saywag for me because he was tearing me apart. Then I was like, I really need to get him, and I'm not going to just fall dart. It's not me. I'm just going to keep throwing him in there, and if he shanks one, he shanks one. If he keeps bombing him, he's going to keep bombing him. Mm. So I just keep throwing him up there, and he just unfortunately tried to cut my cut my big spinning bouncing off him, sliced it on. Mm. So you take you take twelve for the match, Jason. You're man of the match, ball of the year to Laxman uh, in the first innings. You, you get one more game uh, for Australia, one more test at the Wacker. Uh, that summer in Australia, it doesn't go well for you. It doesn't go well for anyone, really, in the side. Um, then you're gone, you know. And and I know you're very grateful for the opportunity to play for Australia. But uh, can you describe what it was like trying to make it as a spinner in the post-worn era? What was it like? Um, it felt like you had to be consistent and 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 play a play a big role in every game. Mm. That's what it felt like. Mm. Um, you know, in Perth, it felt like I needed probably to take take wickets um, and 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 win the game on fourth innings, which you know in that in on that wicket was going to be difficult. Um, but it just that's that's what it felt like. It felt like you had to do everything right. If you didn't get everything right in the first couple of games, um, they were going to try someone else. You know, the, the second game for me was probably one of the, it was probably one of the hardest conditions I've, I've bowled in. I, I, don't, I think I've maybe only played in first once prior to that and the, the, the Fremantle doctor that comes windy, across, yeah. it's blustery as well. So it'll be, it'll be howling as you're coming into bowl and then as you bowl and you're trying to adjust for it to drift away, it stops. Mm-hmm. And so then you start the ball a bit too straight because you're expecting it to drift and then one would drift wide because as you're bowling, the wind would pick up. So it was very difficult to bowl. Um, um, and that and my ankle from the last game when I twisted my ankle in Adelaide wasn't 100%, but everyone was saying, mate, you need to play. Like Binger was saying it for sure. He's like, mate, you need to play. If you play, if you don't play and Horry bowls well again, you never know. So it was like, you need to play this game. So I had a massive brace on my ankle. It wasn't, wasn't 100%, you know. We give all excuses under the sun. I should have bowled better, but I wasn't expecting to not go to Melbourne that that mm. uh, the next game. And I got the call about three hours after the game before we even got on the plane at the airport, which was quite quick. Mm. And I remember saying it to Binger, saying, "Man, I just got dropped." And he's like, "And they're not going to do it now." It's like, no, "Don't bullshit. You're not you're not going to get dropped now. They won't do it now." And I said, "Man, I literally just got the call from Hilditch straight after the game." So it was almost like they had the selection ready to go based on my performance. Mm. So that got changed very, very quickly. And from there, it was uh, I just didn't feel like I had a look in at all. It was like they changed and they wanted to get a different type of spinner. Mm. They needed someone with um, you know three or four attacking quicks. They needed someone to hold up an end. So that wasn't, that wasn't me. Mm. That's, that's actually what I was going to say because after you they seemed to like change the philosophy entirely where they got Nathan Lyons obviously had a hugely successful career but initially or well, for a good few years maybe even now to this day his role in the team has sort of been to tie down and ends yeah. and let the lock them in lock them in let, mm. and then let um, 
you know, uh, three, the three quicks rotate from the other end. I mean, it's quite a change in philosophy. I mean, is that why you always felt, because you developed like a deucer as well. Mm. Um, you know, you were always like trying to get wickets, always trying to be attacking, always buying wider outside the off something to spin, spin it a bit more. I mean, is that, is that why you think that you weren't given another chance? Because I mean, fuck, you took 12 wickets on Daboo, mm. not bad. Mm. Um, but it, it was much, as uh, much a change of philosophy more than anything else, you reckon? Yeah, and, and during while I was playing, the, the role was never, um, you know, my role was never, you need to bowl dots, you need to be tight. It mm. was always get into the rough and spin it, and they yeah. set, when we set fields accordingly. So it was never, hey, Jase, have a crack at, um, maybe you need to tie down an end here and let the quicks rotate from the other end. It was never, it was always get into the rough and spin it. That, mm. that was my strength. And I remember Steve Rickson saying it to me um, during a pre-season tour, uh, once with just after I'd been dropped with Tasman, he said, "Mate, I feel sorry for you because you got dropped for the exact thing that you've been told to do your whole life." Mm. Mm. I was always told to come on and, and, and take a wicket. You know, um, right? We need to get a wicket. Give to Jace. Need to get a wicket. Attack. Throw it up. Slow it up. Ball slower. Whereas I had to go the opposite during that time. But it was never. I was never told to do that. Mm. So, um, sort of when you put it like that. It sort of made sense, you know. I'd never actually been taught and never played, never used as someone to type an end. It was always to attack. So that's all I knew. So probably if they needed someone in that role, then it was the right decision. What do you think is the status of, like, decision makers in Australia and their understanding of spin bowling? It's been 12 years since since that time. Do you think it's improved post-Warn or do you still think the same kind of confusion that you're talking about there reigns so, you know we, we always want the the next warn or mm. someone to kind of take the wickets in the fourth innings but there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of understanding about some of the nuances there there's talk, talk about wickets in sheffield shield being tough to bowl on when to use your spinner you know a lot of yeah. a lot of like middle grade cricket rewards the 31 year old medium pacer with a ring field mm. you know uh can go to, rough, to rightfully, so. rightfully so you win flags that way um <laughs> But uh, yeah, what do you think about it? I think um, I think Nathan Lyon's a perfect mix um, of what Australia needed. He, he, he can attack, he spins the ball. We just needed someone to actually spun the ball. That was probably important. Um, but I think it's I think it's got better. But it's just trying to coach spinners to be able to understand uh, their role and and being able to be flexible in a way. You know, so they should be able to do both and. But, you know, when I'm the game has changed. You know, the, 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 the wickets in shield cricket definitely towards in my career were so flat, like I couldn't spin them. So I, I didn't feel like I could be part of it. I didn't feel like I could be part of the game. Um, and if you were playing a role, particularly say for me, if I was just going for dots and I wasn't taking wickets, people uh, would tell me that I wasn't doing the job because I should be taking wickets. But then when I took wickets and went for runs. It was like the KPI just kept moving, the goalpost kept moving. Mm. Um, so I think that definitely the, the wickets have changed and the, and the role of the spinner has changed to a degree. Um, they definitely have to bowl quicker. Um, batsmen play spin a lot different. They've got more shots and they're way more, they back their skills a lot more. So spinners just have to be a lot more um, versatile in what they do. Um, you know, trying to find the next one is going to be bloody hard. Um, but Nathan Lyon is a perfect mix of the two. I, I truly believe he's done such an incredible job at that level. Yeah. yeah, you're just saying what you need to do is take a lot of wickets and attack when needed, but also not go for many runs. Um, also, when <laughs> yeah. it's needed, and just when to decide you, when to do that. 
which is so difficult. You know? <laughs> of course. Quicks quick, quick don't have to do that, you know. <laughs> yeah. They just bowl the areas and, you know, sort of set yeah. field according to how it's going. So yeah, I know that definitely captains, you know, a great level of that. They're not patient enough with spinners, which yeah. um, they tried changing that, I think, in uh, in a second eleven, didn't they? They actually gave they, spinners had to bowl a certain quota of numbers through the game, which shouldn't happen. Mm. Shouldn't happen. Yeah, it shouldn't have to happen. Yep. Wild. Yeah. We've got, got two more questions here, um, Jason. Yeah. One, one of them is kind of like the question from, you know, when people are watching Don McLean and want to hear him sing American Pie and they just sit through the other songs um, until there's a question. <laughs> but it's just a, it's just a story. I have to get some confirmation. Um, it's from, fact-finding, yeah, yeah, it's fact-finding. I don't know if it's you or whatever, but um, – you know, as you know, grade cricket's full of you know lots of folklore. folklore. Um, we don't know who this is about, but we know you're sort of in the orbit of this tale. Yeah. You're in the orbit. Um, so, and it's it's not really about the person; it's more about Steve War, as always. Um, so, so here it oh, goes. So there's, there's, <laughs> I don't know what you said there, but there, 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 oh, as far as we understand, it's just a rumor. But Fairfield, Liverpool are playing Bankstown. Steve War's back, and he's batting. And uh, there's a young guy at Gully. And he basically just drops his pants and says, Tucker, what do you think? Steve Waugh turns out the side of his mouth and says, not bad. Not bad. Now, you played for Fairfield <laughs> around that time. Mm. I guess I'm wondering, you know, are we on the money with that rumour, uh, to your knowledge? I'm sitting outside front of Bankstown Oval talking to you guys right now, but the memory's fresh. <laughs> Very fresh. Um, <laughs> next can you question. Shed, can you, any more lights? Subway so, so, fresh. So you've got some, um, you've got some memory. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Next question. Um, a lot. A, a lot. A, a, there was. There was. A, um, oh man. I'm trying to promote my business here as well, aren't I? <laughs> we'll do that. We're, we're coming up next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, so a lot. There was things that happens in the shed. Um, usually stay within the walls of the shed. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And so we violated that code. Yeah. A little bit, yeah, mm, mm. a little bit. But mm. hey, um, it was it was funny. Let's just say it was pretty funny. It was funny, true. Um, yeah, you, you obviously, you know. And here's the thing, Jason. You know, like we, we talk about that sort of level of grade cricket, and it's a kind of a economy within an economy. <laughs> but you're obviously not so jaded about cricket that like you haven't stopped your involvement. I mean, you run elite cricket now. You're literally involved in the game, helping kids um, achieve their dreams, learn more about cricket, enjoy the game according to the philosophy that you were just speaking about as well, you know, being someone who gives more throwdowns, who helps people out. Um, Elite Cricket's really well known across Sydney. Now, you've had great success with it. Um, it actually plays into one of TGC's core themes. I mean, I don't want to sit here and just talk about how big Elite Cricket is and how much bigger it's getting around Sydney and beyond. Um, I, w- I want to give the TGC spin on it. Um, you know, in 2020, like what's the percentage of parents who presume little Timmy or Tara will indeed go on to represent their country? Um, how many involve themselves just a little too much, especially the dads? <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot. I think there's, there's definitely a lot. There is a, a large amount, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, they uh, think they're doing their kids a service, but they really aren't, particularly when they're, um, you know, if, if they don't get selected and then 100 emails get sent afterwards asking why, I think you know why. Um, you know, you, everyone's got an opinion, and if your son didn't get picked, they didn't get picked. But um, it's, there's a lot of involvement. I think sometimes they just need to step back, try and find a mentor, either it's a, you know, a private coaching um, a business like myself or the others, but they just need to get a mentor in their lives that's outside of the family, I think, because it's, there's obviously a lot of bias going on. But, mate, it's, for, for me, coaching became a natural progression. Uh, I actually didn't think I was going to do it. Um, I, I started doing a nursing degree when I finished 
uh, right at the end of my career um, because I'd had 20 surgeries on my hips and my knees. Mm. I started really enjoying what theatre lot was like. I, I enjoyed the atmosphere. <laughs> And I wanted to be in there and help, you know, um, you know, kids not be scared, um, you know, help people in that environment. I was sort of like that medical field. But as soon as I come to Sydney, I just started doing more of the coaching than I was doing in Tassie and started getting, going, hey, I'm really good at this. What am I doing, doing something that, that isn't natural to me? And I, and I just understood that I was good at it and I, and I started getting, understanding how good I was with kids. And it just became a natural thing for me to do. And since then, like, I've just I've absolutely loved it, you know, coaching young Green Shield teams and coaching the North Sydney Green Shield team at the moment. That's where I'm now doing one of the games that they're doing through the holidays. And I absolutely love it. And it's been such a good challenge for me after cricket without a business degree or anything, just to literally go straight, head on, grab a business of someone and try and continue that going. And, you know, I've loved it. I've grown it. Um, I'm looking to do more. Um, trying to figure out more opportunities that I can do within cricket. I've started developing a, a, a cricket coaching aid, which has not really gone anywhere in the last couple of years because I've never done something like that before, but it's something that I really want to get out there to help kids. And Mate, I've loved it. It's been such a great... I've enjoyed it more than playing cricket. You know, playing cricket, there's a lot of stress, um, mm. you know, particularly when you're doing it for a living. Um, I, I struggled with it towards the end of my career, and here I can... You know, throw a ball to a kid or an adult and show them how the cover drive works and they do it, they figure it out and the feeling that I get from doing that for someone else is is better than doing something for myself. So absolutely love it, mate. Absolutely love it. Because you played cricket at such a young age, like a high level, first grade at 7, 16, 17, whatever it was, you know, like yeah. – and so many people who go into the top level, they're all playing first grade basically before 18, definitely before 20, you know, and, and there's – but there'd be so many kids who obviously that you're coaching now who might necessarily want to play cricket for Australia, but some of them probably do. Mm. And you must be able to tell, identify straight away whether or not someone is going to be able to reach that level, surely, straight away. Well, you can see the ones that get it. You know, you, yeah. you, you would know as well, Sam. You, you, you look at someone and go, they just get it. They watch cricket, so they're modelling themselves off someone on TV, which happens less now. Like we coach a lot of kids that hardly watch cricket, so if you're trying to explain mm. something to them, they don't get that. And that's how you know I did it in my day and everyone prior to that. But the ones that get it, you can see that they watch. They understand body movements. They understand the game. They understand the fields. That's such a huge step in front of other kids. So mm. if any kid sort of is at that level already, all it comes down to after that is, purely commitment you know you can have all the skill in the world it's that that whole adage of you know the, the highly talented player that doesn't train much the one that's underneath and that's not as good but trains harder they'll, they'll make it above them because you need that commitment to make it um and that that's all that divides a lot of you know that sorry that separates a lot of young players is that pure commitment to it to, mm. to go to the nets for two hours and practice one shot versus half an hour and, and just do all sorts of random things. But they're the kids that make it because they're really committing to it. Mm. Nice one. Jace, you've given us uh, way more time than we budgeted for uh, in this interview. Really appreciate it. Thanks for all the insights uh, on the field, no worries, off boys. the field, and uh, especially great to hear that, uh, you know, despite – being involved in cricket so young and probably being, uh, how, would you, how would you say, you know, at the hands of some pretty confused selections uh, that you're still giving back to the game and enjoying it probably more than ever. No, no I really appreciate it, boys. Love it. He goes? Yeah. Summer's around the corner in Australia. Correct. As all listeners will know. Okay. I hope so. 
summer means being sun smart. Yep. All right? And our wonderful, no, fuck it, best friends at Budgie Smuggler are now doing bucket hats. Okay? Bucket hats are in. That's right. All sorts of things you can do with bucket hats with Budgie Smuggler. Firstly, they've got their own designs. They look fantastic. But if you want your own design, custom design, can I just say it's very, very easy to do. It's very intuitive. It's not 4,000 things to click through or whatever. It's written like by a human on the page, made in Australia. You just upload your design and it's done. Now let's give some ideas of the sorts of things you might want to put on Okay. that, that, that hat. Okay. Okay, firstly, your goals for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, confident. 800 runs, 40 wickets. Now that makes you accountable. Mm. That makes you accountable. Exactly. Because if you were on that in January mm. and you've put 800 runs, 40 wickets, and you're sitting at, you know, 27 runs and none for, it will, you know, it might be time to get a new bucket. There might be a club but. out there who wants a kind of alternative way to motivate their players. It's like, listen, this is your goal. We're going to make you a bucket hat, a budgie bucket hat I with your goal I'd on top. Go to that. training so you can see. That yeah. would be insane, but yeah, I it'd like be insane, it. and it'd be, it'd be wow. They got a lot of money, um, <laughs> so really intuitive to make it. I mean, other things like look, uh, the, the big story this week, of, of course, is Trump. You know, he manages to to still win the new cycle, even though it's apparently incredible. he's nearly dead. Yeah, um, with respect, is that respectful? I don't know. Uh, well, he said he was. Um, he actually felt the best he's ever felt in twenty <laughs> years whilst having COVID. So it does make you think: Is COVID that bad? He loves chaos, doesn't he? He loves it. Well, exactly. And that might be something you put on the bucket hat as well. It's not for us to say. These are just suggestions. The conspiracy theory is that Trump doesn't have COVID, obviously. That's the theory. Mm-hmm. Um, other conspiracies you might want to chuck up on there. Current ones, 5G, chemtrails, QAnon, Illumina- you know, Illuminati is not really new. Older stuff you might want to put up there. You know, CIA hired Lee Harvey Oswald, Paul McCartney's dead, Flat Earth, Moon Landing, Dinosaurs Helped Build the Pyramids. <laughs> I like that they, they helped. They it was from a, a Christ, one of those Christian science groups. They helped it. They helped. Fucking Stegosaurus helping, um, helping some slaves in Egypt. Of course the Dinosaurus existed, Pastor Vince Fennec told Malta today in 2007. It's mentioned in the book of Job. They were used to help build the pyramids. Now, Fennec was a director of the Accelerated Christian Academy in Mosta, Malta, until its closure in July 2012. Rather sadly, given a thrilling sci-fi curriculum, the school closed due to its having no students enrolled. Even so, these are kind. These are the kinds of conspiracies you might want to chuck up on your bucket hat. Made by Budgie Smuggler, intuitively done, made in Australia, supporting the Australian economy. Now, where, come on, where does where does Richard Gear putting gerbils up his ass? Where does that sit in the conspiracy theory? You know. I've said this Catalog. a few times on the show. That's not for us to say. That's for the audience to decide. Some Is people it? might like this, the gear gerbils gear, <laughs> if you will. And there's, I like, will. there's more boring ones about like Tupac's still alive, Elvis is still sure. alive. I don't care about like people who have just disappeared. Who, you know, that, oh, they're, they're alive. They're my, mm, That's nice. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. If Tupac's yeah. still making great records, exactly. then you know, maybe I can get around that. Richard Gear putting gerbils because ass is an interesting one though. That, I mean, that's it's one of those ones like it's where that come from. Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone's closer to home as well. I think there's speculation about that that Sylvester Stallone started that rumor in some capacity. Okay, I'm going down some levels there and some rabbit mm. holes, which uh, people can help me out with later. But yeah, so these that's some of the ideas. There's just some of the some ideas. Some of pairs. the ideas. That's just a start. That's, that's just more. one little rabbit hole. You can go down Yowies, you know, Kevin Spacey stuff, whatever. Relationship to cricket. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> budgiesmuggler.com. That's where you go. <laughs> 
And please, if you're going to do this, <laughs> use the code CHAMP for free shipping. Please, please input CHAMP. Oh, please. Okay, so Linny can see the TGC censure. <laughs> Come on. All right? Any feedback on these ads, let us know. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> not, not much going on in the cricket. Hashtag <laughs> TGC. Oh, fuck, I love October. Jake writes in, Pez. <clears throat> he says, Pez and Higo. Despite playing my last game of competitive cricket in 2006, first 11 PSA in Perth went all right. I have cricket anxiety dreams more frequently than any well-disguised 30-year-old should. (laughs) 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 Well-disguised? Oh, my God. Shouldn't have drunk this morning. Uh, Well-adjusted 30-year-old should. I'm sorry, Jake. I've moved beyond all other classic anxiety dreams being unprepared for exams, not being able to run, etc. But cricket will seemingly never fucking leave me alone. If the cricket cods do, in fact, exist, they spend far less time ensuring that the bloke who nicked off to second and didn't walk is run out the following over than they do tormenting current and former players like a zinked-up Freddy Krueger. Having psychoanalyzed myself in order to determine which of the thousands of potential cricketing moments is the determinative cause of this crickling dream hellscape I encounter, I have fallen upon the following. As a relatively promising 15-year-old quick who had lost his action, I was taken down to the Wacker Nets to have a training session with Dennis Lilly. Nice. This lanky 15-year-old bundle of nerves would be attempting to fundamentally change his action under the gaze of one of the greatest fastballs of all time, bowling to the Warriors. That's, that's, that's the, the West, West Australian say, Warriors, yeah. yeah. Before I spoke to DK, I saw Marcus North walk into the nets and hit his first ball over the net, dividing one set of the nets from the other and hit the old scoreboard on the full. Anyone who knows the wacker knows that's fucking big. Any confidence I had was fucked. I was, then t- I was then taken up to DK. He had thick black shades on, still sporting a luscious silver mo. I couldn't tell if he was looking at me, but the angle at which his words were non- nonchalantly coming from his mouth suggested he couldn't give less of a fuck. Word angles. <laughs> he must have looked at me at least once, though, because when I explained that my mechanical problem was that I had started to fall away, lose my outswing and push the ball down leg, he instantly responded to this lanky, shaking 15-year-old who had just overcome his insecurity of having braces. Must be all that metal in your mouth before laughing a little too much. <laughs> Reckon my confidence took a hit for about a decade. <laughs> Question is... Have either of you had a distinctly personal sledge from a hero or otherwise that has stayed with you for far longer than it should have? Thanks, Jake, uh, f- for that question. A couple of responses just to the to the content. Firstly, I okay, go right, bowling the Warriors. All right, nice. Uh, and then, yeah, Marcus North. We can't, I can't, we can't remark upon Marcus North without side mouthing snorkel. Snorkel. He's a snorkel. Mm. You say to us, what did he say? We said they call you snorkel. So did they? I, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you do. Yeah. So He's a lovely man, Marcus. He's a lovely man. Yeah. Wonderful husky. What took us out in Newcastle? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. Monday night. Yeah. It was funny. Uni night. Yeah. Yeah. You got a good one? You got a good one for this? I got a sort of couple, I think a couple of six out of tens. I can't really, I don't know if I've suppressed them. Um, Here's what I, this has got nothing to do with cricket, uh, but I just like sledges in general. Right. I, I didn't have a I didn't have a sledge from a hero or anything that was said to me in the field that was like you really want, you, you carried that I carried no yeah. but um I don't know why I've been thinking about this but it's never really it's never really left me nice. I um I had a this was maybe maybe a year or two ago I had a date um with a with a bird in Bondi mm-hmm. and um 
were like sitting on the sitting on the grass there at Bondi. And it was like it was like it was summer, summer's evening, about six o'clock. <laughs> got myself a little first date kiss. And um and uh <laughs> T birds here in Greece. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Like a so, <laughs> I'm, I'm making out with this bird and Bondi on the grass. And got, then, got myself a little kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, mate? Got a few today, did you? Um, and, uh, and some bloke walks past and I've got my eyes closed, obviously, because I'm not a fucking psychopath. Mm. And I've got my eyes closed and um, someone just yells out. <laughs> someone just yells out. I saw her kissing someone else yesterday. <laughs> 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 that would have been really enjoyable for that guy. And you wonder how often he does it. <laughs> and at the time I thought, wait, was she? Did you? I mean, that's great. I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up, man. Yeah. Oh, you're saying other people? I thought this was exclusive. <laughs> or that just came from your head. Just I, just, like, I just think about it sometimes. Like, it's a fucking great line to yell out. Nice. Just a complete stranger. Yeah. I've, I've seen two people, mm. two people kissing in public, rightfully mm. call it out. Mm. I get it. Yeah, so you made out with a bird. That's good. That's, um, that's what that story was about. Yeah, you got any, right. got any sex stuff going on? Exactly. <laughs> How can I parlay this into my successful sex? Um, so yeah. no, not no, not really, not really. I mean, we were like uh, backstage before our Leeds show last year with Bresnan, uh, Tim Bresnan, who yeah. we met for the first time, and he just looked at me and said, "Oh yeah, you go on a bit, don't you?" <laughs> just stay with me, yeah. yeah. Okay. Or you bang on a bit, or something like that. Just real northern. Yeah. That was nice. Couldn't yeah. do anything with that. Uh, I really like um, when I was still bowling leg spin. Um, like coach of mine at the time uh, organised a one-on-one session at the SCG in Dornets with a guy called Adrian Tucker, who played a few matches for New South Wales and was very successful playing for East as a leggy. And the the framing was that like I've got this like young big spinning leggy, big side spinning leggy. And then I bowled in front of Adrian Tucker, you know, former New South Wales leg, and he said, oh, Akko said you spun it. (laughs) Uh, That was good. That would hurt. And then just the final, just again, it's a a cricket one, and I think I've said this one before, but – John John Moss, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, I don't know if you said on there before. Tigers – Playing for the Tigers, John Moss in the Bowman. side. He's, yeah, Balmain. He's, he's captain. I can't remember what they were called at the time. Um, he's captain playing against um, Ramwick at Bradman Oval. Ramwick with Kawaja and Horace. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, like it was, uh, it was, Peter Shimova, which is Bradman's first grade ground that he played at or something. No, it was literally at Bradman Oval. We oh, played, uh, we, in Barrel. We played at Barrel. Oh, right, yeah. okay. Oh, and, uh, It was a really close game. Moss had made 100. They were chasing. They ended up, like, getting them. Uh, but – it was really tense and I was at backward point and balls just kept going past me. The game was too fast for me. Blaze were too good. Mm. There was all sorts of state guys around. Yeah. Was you, you good fielder. I was a good fielder, yeah, yeah right. but not today. Yeah. And it was just the game was too quick and like yeah, yeah, yeah. balls, balls, going, balls <laughs> are going either side of me. No, I just the skill level was yeah, really high. I understand, yeah. It was really high. Yeah. And normally my fielding's up to that, but yeah. on this day for whatever it's reason, I was in, and yeah, yeah. I, and Another one just went past me and John Moss, you know, just come from Victoria or whatever, just said, you okay, Sammy? <laughs> and, and you know what? I was completely fine. I was not sick. I was not unfit. I was just not good enough. <laughs> but it was just, worried about but your health. I just love that. That's the best. Are you okay? Like the only reason these balls are going past is because he must be ill yeah. in some 
capacity yeah. physically, yeah, mentally. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, th- there are a few that stick out. There was um, there was uh, cricket.com.au were doing the thing of like the greatest 25 shield individual shield mm. seasons of all time. And John Moss was in there like number 19 or something. Yeah. And he scored like a, he scored like 950 runs, averaging 100 or some shit. Yeah. Know, it was fucking amazing. He was, was a fine player. But he was one of those guys who wasn't particularly close to the, the Australian setup or anything. But. No. Uh, couldn't crack New South Wales, but it was a really good player. Probably Victoria. should have. Cra- I mean, I've batted the other end with him a couple of times, and it was just like – he was just one of those ones. You know when we were – I'm just, just fucking names being dropped everywhere here, by the way. I just yeah. picked them up. But like when we're at the SCG with Stark and Hazelwood and whatever, I'm like, oh, they're just, yeah, they're just too big. <laughs> that's just yeah, a yeah, physical yeah. thing. That's yeah, yeah. genetic. Oh, oh I, I wasn't even close. Yeah. Oh, oh this that's is, how far this away I was. Jam. Yeah. Yeah, Moss was like that, just batting at the other end, just guys bowling, and just like, oh, my, you are amazing. Yeah, so you played better. state cricket. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Anyway, yeah. uh, Alex writes in, Dear Higman Freud and Oedipus. Nice. <laughs> Monday, 28th of September, was the Jewish festival of Yom Kippur. This coming in off the long run, bear with. <laughs> and one of the key elements of this festival is the ritual of fasting for 25 hours. That's right, famished of food and water for whole, 25 whole hours. During this time, we are meant to repent for all the sins we have committed over the year. The mancads, the sledges that went too far, none of them. And even the subs we still haven't paid to the club treasurer because he's a narcissistic dick. Anyway, as the time elapsed in my 25-hour period of physical and emotional pain, my mind immediately started to draw parallels to the game I love, fucking hate, again, cricket. I was low on energy. There was no chance I was going to emerge a victor at the end of this, and I was really on my last legs. That's when it occurred to me. The Yom Kippur fast is playing for the draw. That's right. Think Monty and Jimmy at Cardiff in 09, or even that Usman Khawaja innings no one gave a fuck about in the test doco. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, that's harsh. (laughs) Depressing. It's unnecessary. I speak for all people. No one gives a fuck. But why does it feel so good to say? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was stuck in a mental and physical fight that could only be understood in a cricketing metaphor. As I continued to think about this cricketing comparison, the similarities were seemingly endless. In the final hours of the fast, nobody wants to move from the allocated seat in the dressing room, living room, out of fear of bad luck. We are stuck in a grunge clubhouse, synagogue, where all we can do is watch until it's over, and there is always one dick pissing you off in what is an already what is an already tense situation. After realising that there is no part of my life which cricket does not control, my question is this... What will God think of me now that even on the allocated day of repentance, I couldn't ignore cricket? Is Judaism fundamentally incompatible with cricket because the day of rest, a Saturday, is on the same day as all grade games? Does this make the MCC anti-Semites? Can I sue them? Should I terminate my relationship with cricket for the sake of my relationship with my religion? And should I add a trigger movement next season? All the best, Alex. If you could just answer that, he goes. Yeah, uh, that would be fantastic. And just, yeah, just make sure you do it in a nice, delicate way. Walk in that tightrope, no stereotypes, but be funny. Go. Um, okay. <laughs> well, you know, as often as my answers, I like to talk about Muslims now. <laughs> Should we preface with Yom Kippur, like what Yom Kippur is first? It, sure. Day of Atonement. It's the holiest day of the year in Judaism. Its central themes are atonement and repentance. You don't say happy Yom Kippur. It's more solemn, you know, have an easy fast, yeah. et cetera. So yeah. you just kind of, as far as I understand, I'm right. not, uh, not Jewish, Jewish yeah. uh, you just don't eat or drink or do anything for a day while you just cleanse yourself out and have a think about yourself. Yeah, I think there's 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 some interesting because I because so like uh, so Ramadan, um, Muslims fast for from sunrise to dawn for a month. 
Um, and then at the end they have Eid Mubarak, which translates to blessed feast. So they just yeah. fucking tuck in, which yeah. reminds me a lot of Make like good. just cricketing analogies of like, but so cr- we spoke all the time about cricketers. They have like, you will cash in you. Yeah. You cash in. And like <laughs> people are about to start the Playing cricketing Black season. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll, people just start the cricket season now. Well, first and second grade have, mm-hmm. I think in the, in the, um, Eastern seaboard States anyway, uh, except for Melbourne, obviously they, you know, you, you have one or two good weekends. You'll have one or two good innings of maybe about 30 Saturdays. Yeah. And so you'll starve yourself for 28 of those and then two, you'll feast. Yeah. So there is, some, there is something, a nice little... It's a cricketing metaphor for yeah, everything. Yeah, and I like the atonement element of yeah. uh, Yonkapur as well. I mean, yeah. Alex asks why he continually turns to cricket metaphors. One, because there's a cricket metaphor for everything and mm. that's all good. Cricket it's also life. because, uh, yeah, everything is cricket and it's probably everything. It's all Alex knows. He has no other references. He hasn't consumed other material. If he did, he'd have other references. So it's also uh, having a bit of one-dimensionality to his character, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Alex. Uh, spoken from experience, uh, this is a game that belongs in the 1800s. And a tricky movement won't fix anything. Uh, Alex also asks um, – that's true. Al- Alex also asks – you know, like should should he uh, sue the MCC? Mm. Uh, I actually think it goes the other way. I mean, like Hall, Hall of Fame baseballer Sandy Koufax didn't pitch in the first game of the 1965 World Series yeah, that's because right. it fell on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, like this bloke should be playing cricket in Yom Kippur, uh, with respect. Yep. And what else? I just roll. No, I don't think I'll tell that story, actually. Someone suggested the, at, at, when we did like a, did a radio interview once, like, oh, yeah, Michael Klinger never played for Australia because he was Jewish. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Just about to do this interview and I've never met you before. Um, oh, what, so the, the host was saying that? No, not the host. Some A staffer at this radio station just said that. No, so, that sounds uh, familiar. Is that, th- is that a thing? Yeah. I don't know. No. I think Klinger should have played for Australia. Yeah, probably. I suspect it wasn't because. I would be surprised if that yeah, was the case. of that. And, yeah, head coach at one of the clubs I played at uh, tried to cleanse us of water. I said we weren't allowed to use water when we were running laps because it was weak. Yeah, water, so, water's weak. Yeah, water's, water's weak. weak. Um, Pez, this show is – Hope um, that helps, Alex. I think we might have to cut it there, Pez, because yeah. this show has gone on for a bit. I <laughs> uh, hope everyone enjoyed Neil Wagner. hope everyone enjoyed Jason Crozier. hope everyone enjoyed us trying to get through these weird months where mm. there's cricket in between season. Mm. So there's less going on, so the show's longer, you see. Fuck me. You've lined up some guests, though, for us the next couple of weeks. Well, have you? I don't know. We'll find out. Good luck on the weekend or not. Whatever, I don't care. See you next week. Bye.